Well, hello, people of Defend the House, and welcome to a video seven years in the making, six years in the seven. making. Seven years in the making. This is our second top 10 games of the generation. Uh, if you are new to the channel, me and Jameson do these long form video podcasts. Uh, we do them quite occasionally, but we do a top 10 list every year. We do our top 10 games of the year. Uh, the 2020 version of that will be coming probably late December, uh, early January because we got yeah. we got cyberpunk to get through, you know. Yes. But uh, you know, when it comes to cyberpunk, talking about that game, you snooze, you lose. Yeah, I think most uh, media outlets have come to the decision that cyberpunk is kind of more in the next gen territory. Uh, we were waiting for cyberpunk to do this video specifically. Yeah. Uh, but it's been delayed so many times, and like the reason its latest delay happened was because it's struggling to even run on current gen. So to me, yeah. uh, I mean that qualifies for next gen, and it's and it's out a month after you know the PlayStation Five and Xbox One X. So that means it's time. Yeah, at a certain point, you just have to you just have to sort of put a cutoff on it, right? Because mm. I mean, you know, stuff is going to be coming out on both gens uh, next year. You know, yeah, we have to. We can't include them, and yeah, originally Cyberpunk was going to be out in a week, basically a week from now. God, oh, that hurts to say. Yeah, uh, hadn't really thought about that until just now, and that sucks. <sighs> and you know, a week into, a week after the next gen of consoles launches, like that's perfectly fine. I think perfectly reasonable to include that. And I mean, I, I personally was fully expecting to have played that game and it be in consideration for this list yeah um i had specked out a list for a while now and like deliberately sort of mentally left us a, a, a slot in there just in case optimistically it turns out you know yeah um and then when it got delayed you sent me a message saying well we should we could we could just do this and i, I was like oh i guess you're right yeah <laughs> uh so just to clarify quickly the the rules, mm. uh, they're they're pretty mi minimal. Um, I think the best way that we we've d done it, which is just um, we're we're using I I was using the dates I'm going to give are using the first next gen, aka current gen console released to the last the most recent. So it's the PS4 came out first, and the PS5 is coming out last. It's you know a matter of two or three days, but any game that came out from November 15th, 2013 to November 12th, 2020 is eligible. Sure. I did not check, That's, but I'm sure it's fine. I mean, yeah. The, <laughs> you know, sure. generation is such a weird term nowadays because, like, these aren't exclusives. They're not just PS4 games. No. You know, the, the Wii U existed for half of this generation so those games could technically qualify. Yeah. I don't think any of them will be on here, but I'm sure there's some um, PC only games and PC doesn't really have generations. PC so. has no yeah, exactly. So it's always weird to define generation. It's so a time I think, period, you know? Yes, I think just defining it as a time period. And in this case it worked out that the PS4, you know, came out first and then the PS5 came out second, and mm. that covers seven years. Uh yeah. so That's a long time. It is a long time. Seven <laughs> years is it's it's kind of crazy to think that the last, like, we've done these for seven years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last time we did the best of the generation, I was, like, 
basically just finished being a teenager. Yes, I was 21, uh, I believe, and now I'm 28. Yeah, I had just... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's not think about We're... the next one, okay? Nope. Because <laughs> I could be like 35. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes, we're going to die. Um, mm. But like we do with our top 10 of the year uh, list, I think we do a little bit of reflection. You know, we look back mm-hmm. at the year when we do those. So why not look back at the generation? All right. So here comes the nine, nine hour long reflection on the generation before we get to the lists. <laughs> I'm interested to hear what you have to say, because even though we've talked for the entire generation... You know, retrospective thoughts and conclusions. I don't really know how you feel in general, especially when it comes to comparing it to last gen, because I'm just going to start off by saying that I didn't like this gen as much as I liked last gen. I was going to say the exact opposite. Yeah. Okay. I liked this gen more. There were more games this gen. There was more games. That were that I liked more. My horizons broadened this gen because of the divi- the, the the diversity of games as well, which mm-hmm. was like that's probably really the biggest takeaway for me from this gen is just how many types of games there are out there now. Oh yeah, and it's amazing. I think that's really cool because, like, I look back at my list last gen, and it's basically just all AAA games, and you know, I don't know. I look at them, I'm like, yeah, that that's a good game, but like, it's. I don't know, fine yeah. still by look, nowadays. You're looking back at those games with a 10-year gap sometimes, you know? It's kind of yeah. hard to... But I think, you know, there's a few games on that list that have stood the test of time mm-hmm. substantially for me. And I think there are more on this list that will stand the test of time longer for me. Yeah. Um, the, the culture of video games has been much more interesting and dramatic in this generation. It's really had its mm. boom, its renaissance. Yeah. It's just exploded it, like, it from a like, business uh, point of view. Yeah, it, it, this was the gen where it like became a just mainstream accepted thing. Yeah, you know, it stopped being like a weird. Uh, there was a lot of weird. I don't know. Just last gen had so many weird, uh, like culture moments, and you know, just like Call of Duty and celebrities talking about Halo and like all the weird business shit people were trying to figure out and. This gen, I mean, there's a lot of weird business this generation, but it was just sort of like, you know, there's Drake playing Fortnite, and it's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that stuff was really cool. I like that part of this gen. But for me, um, uh, my favorite kind of genres from the last generation was FPS shooters and action RPGs. And in that realm, I came away a little bit disappointed uh, this generation from a very um, personal uh, standpoint. I'm sure people who are really into first-person shooters had a very good time because uh, that genre in particular fucking went to the moon, especially when it comes yeah. to the Battle Royale area of things. And it kind of... That is the era which broke down some walls. Uh, yeah. But I didn't like Battle Royale, really. I wasn't really my thing. We talked about it in the podcast, but it's just a bit... There's a lot of downtime. At least there was when like PUBG and Fortnite came along. And then I kind of missed the Apex train because my PC was exploding. But that's a story for another time. Uh, I just didn't like the pace or, or the sweatiness of BR. It felt like there was no off switch. Uh, there was like no casual, cheeky, fun moments. It was just like top plays of the week over and over again. And I'm getting old. 
and I just mm. can't keep up with the kids and I just don't care as much about being good at first person shooters as I did when I was a youngster. And the also the action RPG genre was just kind of a bit barren. Like the the Witcher 3 just is the only one that really jumps to mind. Like Bethesda games were they were like my heroes when I was a youngster and they didn't do anything and BioWare didn't do anything and then there was the loot box and then there was live service games and just the two things that I really liked about last gen kind of dwindled and died but that's maybe uh, being dramatic. I think they, they, they just, just sort of transformed a little bit like they growing pains I'm gonna say like they, there was the, some like, struggles like the like massive high quality RPG was sort of replaced by the live service no no i think it was more replaced by like the uh the sony brand mm, which is yeah. sort of a it's an it's an action adventure game with you know some light rpg elements basically just meaning it has a skill tree um <laughs> yeah and those games i think you know a lot of them were, were very good um but yeah they're not they're more like an action adventure game than mm-hmm. they are a sprawling world yeah. yeah, because The Witcher is definitely one of those. And then, you know, like, there have been a lot of attempts, the like Assassin's Creed and stuff like that, and they suck shit. And <laughs> Bethesda, like, Bethesda games, last gen especially, had a really, you know, they they were, they played a very dominant role last, last gen. Like, yeah. Oblivion kicked it off, followed yeah. in the middle, Skyrim near the end changing, you know, Skyrim was massive. Yeah. And those games have a certain feel to them and that sort of sense of openness and freedom uh, has definitely been lacking this gen. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously, especially from Bethesda themselves. Um, the hell? I was just going to say regarding first person shooters that I actually think, I don't know if FPSs were weird this gen. Cause I really like FPSs and play a lot of them. Um, they would sort of like have one year on and, and then two years off, you know, mm-hmm. and, but there were some very good FPSs this gen. Oh yeah. I think they were, there were more good single player FPSs this gen than any other type of FPS. Yeah. And, yeah. Which is, which is awesome. I mean, that's great. Um, but then I was going to say probably the most disappointing part about this gen for me game wise was the multiplayer side of it because obviously yeah. multiplayer played a big role last gen with Halo and Call of Duty, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, Halo having a rather long-lasting effect on us, um, but this gen, like, there's not. It's not to say that there weren't multiplayer games this gen that I had. I spent a lot of time with and had, you know, a fairly good amount of good time with, uh, like Overwatch. I I really loved Overwatch for the first eight months, mm-hmm. but then it just goes off a cliff. And PUBG, I mean, PUBG was such a fucking shit show but like (laughs) PUBG also gave some of the greatest and most unique multiplayer experiences I've had but it also went off a cliff or you know maybe was always it was always off a cliff yeah (laughs) yeah but but you know it started to climb up the cliff a little bit and then it fell over and like broke its back and it's just been flailing about down there for years now and (laughs) um and then all the other ones are too sweaty um eight well apex i enjoyed again for like three months and then they switched some stuff around and i haven't really played it since and yeah i think multiplayer in a lot of ways lost the fun and magic this gen because 
I mean, my thesis that you know is that it's because of Twitch. Mm-hmm. Twitch ruined multiplayer video gaming this generation. Um, yeah. It's obviously had a colossal impact. And I think Twitch as an idea and streaming is all fine and good. And I, you know, watch a lot of Twitch and all these things. But I also do think that developers have switched their design philosophies to cater towards people trying to get famous on Twitch by being sweaty. And um, the result is that most multiplayer games are just exhausting to me now. Um, And that sucks because, you know, we're like our little group of friends here are scattered across the globe and multiplayer games are a good way to chat. And there's not a lot to play in that regard. And, Mm. and that's a bummer because a great multiplayer game is great. Like, and you know, I wish, like, I wish Overwatch had managed to maintain that because there's so much about that game that I, I could love or I do love and would still want to be playing but they just drop the ball so hard with all these games and yeah. it's just so exhaustingly sweaty and my blood pressure my goes version, through the roof my version yeah. of overwatch would probably be sea of thieves because that started off with so much promise like it just seemed like a magical time and there was a good community spirit about it and then the twitch guys came over and you know started just hiding on ships and trying really hard and it just turned into a bit of a miserable the, the time. The first, what was it? I don't know, three or four months of Sea of Thieves had such promise because mm-hmm. of that focus on just sort of immersive, cooperative, feel-good encounters. Yeah. We really did have some magical moments in, in that. And then, yeah, um, a couple of people streamed it on Twitch. Turned out people liked watching it on Twitch when they were basically griefing the lobby. And development switched from cool co-op PvE events to it's a it's a PvP arena game now and I haven't played it in years and never want to but also still desperately want to play that game because there's so many little amazing parts of it and yeah that's see if these is a perfect example I think of that game shouldn't be a competitive game when it isn't but it's just kind of you, <sighs> you bump into the people that treat it like it and there's nothing yeah. you can do about that. But yeah. anyway, um, I, know, but I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying about <laughs> yeah. multiplayer. But uh, on a less negative side of things, oh, yeah. I think yeah. um, every year this gen, <laughs> every year this year, this gen felt weird for varying reasons, I would say. Like the releases were always so different every year that it was always like, you never knew what you were going to get and if they were going to be good or not. Um, but at the end of the day, I think every year from this gen actually had a game. I think I have a game on my list from every year this generation. Ooh, actually, I don't... Which is cool. Yeah. I don't and there are a lot of really good games this gen. Like I put together a list of just games that I liked mm-hmm. when I was specking this list out. And it was like 35 games and not, and like, 20 20 of them you know i wouldn't ever want to really put on a best of the generation list but there were 30 games that i were like i would go and play any of these right now and have a good time with them and that's cool and i'm pretty sure they were all single player games (laughs) yeah well i put overwatch on that list but like Uh i i I didn't i don't want to you know i wouldn't just go and jump into overwatch right now but i i did you know once like that game 
Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to imply, like, uh, I have a negative view of this gen, but yeah. last gen to me was just, it was magic. It was where a lot of things started. It's where my earliest memories from a lot of the best games I've ever played are. And it's just yeah. like where a lot of my love for gaming started. And uh, I do think this game, um, this gen had a lot of really great single player games. And also for me, the best thing about this gen is kind of the explosion of the indie scene. Oh, yeah. Um, and like the smaller, I don't, I don't know if double A is the right word, but just smaller studios trying something a bit weirder and being successful with that. I think yeah. like the second half of 2020 has almost been one of the best examples of that with Fall Guys, Phasmophobia and Among Us, just these small, like unique takes on multiplayer, actually. We're, mm -hmm. we're to come back to that. They All three of those games were multiplayer. Uh, and, you know, there's just a lot of space now and a lot of uh, possibility for indie developers to just do something different and to stand out. Like, Phasmophobia is one guy, and that game is like a janky, ugly piece of crap, but it's just fun, and it's a good idea, yeah. and it's fun with friends. And I just like yeah. that that has kind of blossomed. I think the AAA part is what's maybe losing me a little bit, but... I, I think, think, well, yeah. AAA struggled this gen, and, and AAA will continue to struggle as um, the technology opens up and you know the expectations for visuals and production values is ever growing mm, everything is more expensive everything is getting so much more expensive you know and everything took long long time like uh, red dead you know it was five years between gta 5 and red dead we got one single rockstar game this generation whereas last gen we got what four really uh, four well, we got GTA 4 and 5 and Red Dead, right? Mm -hmm. And then I guess Max Payne sort of counted. Max Payne 3. Yeah, um, I, can't, I can't remember. They published that or made it. I can't remember. I think they actually did develop that. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, at the very least, we got three, you know, yeah. Rockstar games last gen. And yeah, the AAA, I don't want to say the AAA dropped the ball this gen because I, there's, there's quite a few of them on my list and I, I yeah, like AAA me, games. Me and, um, there were some friggin' amazing ones this gen, but they they became a little safer this gen because of production values, you know, and, and things being so expensive. And they were far fewer between because of mm. just the time needed and um, way less innovation or rather way less new titles. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily say that there wasn't good innovation in the AAA space this gen, but yeah, I mean, it's hard... It'll be interesting to look back on this gen with the same amount of time that we are oh, yeah. able to look back on last gen because last gen, obviously, yeah, it, it that last gen always will have that special place because it was when we were you know kids going into adults, um, you know Halo three like <gasps> uh, all these franchises start like Mass Effect, Assassin's Creed, Bioshock, uh, this that you know there's like a portal. Uh, oh. There's so many. Witcher, uh, so many series, Uncharted, uh, Last of Us, uh, you know, I could just keep, go like, all of these series that are with us now still all started last gen, mo more or less. Um, Red Dead, you know, like, all, uh, all of these games. Um, mm -hmm. But then, yeah, on the other side of that, like, the, the indie space and the sort of smaller devs, medium-tier devs, were able to really fill in those empty spots um mm -hmm. there were like the right like you know it's crazy to think that last gen indie gaming wasn't 
really a thing until oh, yeah. like 2008, 2009. It it just started, you know, with like Braid, I think was 2008. Yeah. And then but then this gen it, it, they they just sort of stopped being indie games. They're just like these are just more games and and they really exploded and did amazing things. Um and filled in those gaps and and there's several amazing indie games on my list and and yeah. I look back at every year and there's like this was great. This was great. This was great. This was great. And that's tremendous. That's great. Um, I like this gen yeah. for where it got us. I'm like pretty yes. happy with where things are now. I feel like people are starting to be creative with multiplayer gaming again. That people are trying different things. Like mm-hmm. I already said, uh, indie gaming is in a really good place. Uh, Microsoft is looking like they're, you know, they're doing acquisitions. Maybe. It looks like they want to turn up this gen, and Sony's got God. like their good format going. And I'm not sure about Nintendo, but you know, whatever. Uh, yes, it's in a, it's in a, it's in a good place. There was just some like, yes, years I where agree. it wasn't really for me. Like 2016 to 2018, I just kind of I just played some good single player games, and you know, not many of them came out, and I was just just didn't really do much. <laughs> oh, <laughs> everyone was playing PUBG and Fortnite. I was like, I don't want to play these mm. games. Yeah, yeah it was a good gen though and we will obviously yes, talk about it I, yeah yeah i think um yeah it ended up in a good place it, it started off poor i would say mm, um, yeah and just the general sort of where games were at at the time was in a weird place when the ps4 came out you know there was definitely a you know people were unsure if consoles if people still wanted consoles turns out they do uh which is great Hell yeah. gimmicks you know like connect was a thing oh yeah um motion controls you know there were lots of gimmicks those are all gone now and and then it took a while like the first good games 2015 i think was really only the the first year that had a several bangers in them Mm -hmm. in it and and then microsoft also yeah was afk for the for pretty much from pretty much 2015 onwards yeah yeah i can't think of a single Microsoft game in the last five years, except for the Forza Horizon three and four, um, that were good. Well, I, I... there's a reason for that. <laughs> and it's, uh... Well, is there? I don't know. Like, anyways, yeah, it, it doesn't help that. Yeah, I mean, last yeah, there were basically were no first. Like Microsoft put out like two or three decent first party games this gen, and they were racing games. Mm. And it's whereas last gen, it was, you know, I mean. Last time, you know, Halo 3, ODST, Reach, Gears, the whole Gears franchise, like all these, they were, they published the first Mass Effect game mm-hmm. um, and they were just... Viva Pinata. Viva Pinata and Banjo-Kazooie <laughs> Nuts and Bolts, which was on iOS last time. Oh, yes, rare. Oh, my sweet Banjo. Um, Yeah, it was, there was definitely, it was an interesting generation for watching some of the big boys really stumble. Like some of the iconic devs from last gen yeah, just completely fell apart. The three the three Bs for a while there. Uh Bioware. Bethesda and Bethesda and Wait, why did Bungie? I say three Bs? Well, yeah, I was actually Bungie like for initially, I would say, for the first couple of years, it was and you know, arguably, if you don't, I mean, obviously, if you don't like Destiny, then they've also taken this generation yeah. off, um, which is unfortunate for lots of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, <sighs> see, the gens sunk, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, we can't get into the disappointments this gen because, oh I boy, mean, 
you know no last generation had all of mass effect and this generation had andromeda let's just say that yeah. so let's talk about our least favorite games of the generation no that's not <laughs> no no it, this is a good list i really like my list of games yeah me too i feel very strongly about the top five i and... think um i think we should say that when we do our top 10 games of the year it's very much the games that we liked the most the games we had the most fun with Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, this list is is it's, you know it's close obviously it's the games we like the most, but also looking at stuff retrospectively changes things. I think I was kind oh, of yeah. expecting to go through my um my lists my top ten games of twenty thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen and just pick number one from the top and sure done that's my list mm-hmm. and uh, no uh, not even close honestly. And I think perfect example of that is my top 10, uh, my top game of 2014 was a little indie game called Valiant Heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's the perfect example of how time kind of just changes, um, not how good something is, but it takes a while to realize how unique something is when, it, you know, you yeah. give it a couple of years and you look back and go, wow, it's been five years since this thing came out and it's still unique and I still think about it. And I love Valiant Hearts. I think it's a great little game. But when I was playing Valiant Hearts, I'd never really played emotional indie storytelling games. And now, <laughs> and now when I see those games, I roll my eyes into the back oh, of my head. Put me to sleep. And go into a coma because there's about mm-hmm. 4,000 of them and there's only so many messages. And yeah. Thing, you know. Well, and 2014 was like a weird, quiet year. Yeah. You know. But um, it was number I, one. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, my, yeah, my, my top 10, uh, my number ones came in handy for this list, I would say. I will say that I think only four number ones made it onto my list out of, uh, seven, 24. Well, there's only six. Six. Because we haven't, well, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six. Because we haven't done this year's, right? Okay. Uh, And this year's. This year, pretty much entire all of it counts, right? Okay. Um, yes, it's true. But uh, yeah, the, I, I think more there were some games that were sort of in the middle of the pack. Like one game that actually isn't on my list, but I w- will mention at the end that, and I wish it was on the list. It was sort of in the middle of the pack at, in the year that I played it, but it has <laughs> since gone on to, you know, it's have an have a lasting impact that i'm like oh yeah this game is great it has stuck around in my mind like my list i'm sure yours is similar my list is what are the games that have stuck in my mind the most yeah that's what What occupies the most amount of time in my head which keep popping up in my brain for no reason the which and then which ones do that more than the other ones and that's kind of how i rank the list in a lot of ways um Mm -hmm. and yeah I think, I think I think we're good to. St- I, I'm good. I'm good. To st- I'm good to start. I'm good to start too. Who is starting though? I didn't actually look at the last. Um, one I did. looked. The last video we did was our worst games of 2019. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, People love that one. Uh, I I started that one. Okay. Um, so if you want to go first, you can. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Sure. I will go first. All right. I'm fascinated to hear what your list of games is. My number ten is probably the biggest outlier on my entire list 
I would agree with that for mine as well. Especially when maybe as this goes on, you realize certain things haven't made my list and you're going to be like, wait, how did number 10 make your list? But X and Y didn't. I... I, actually, I think I mentioned it to you in our Discord where I was like, this is one game. I just don't know why, but I just, yes. I just want yeah, it on my yeah. list. I don't know why. And is the this more, it? It is. It's my number Good. 10. And my number 10 is Dying Light. Number 10 God. of the generation. I love that. Dying Light. Uh, well, we'll see how I... much you like it as we go on. But for me, I don't think I really appreciated Dying Light at the time. And I think it's because it came quite close after Dead Island, which... People, you know, it's, it's kind of a trashy version of Dying Light with less elements, but I weirdly was into Dead Island. Uh, I just find the idea of a zombie RPG just a fun, unique take on it. Uh, and Dying Light came along and added uh, a parkour element, and I was a big fan of Mirror's Edge, and I'd say the parkour genre, if there even is a parkour genre, just doesn't really have much going on for it. Maybe people just can't find a way to make it fun, but uh, I think they did in Dying Light. Uh... I love the horror uh, implementation. I love when nighttime it was scary, yeah. and in the DLC there was the nests. Uh, it was surprisingly scary. I like the traversal. I like the cards. I like the weapon system. I think they did a really good job of progression when it comes to basically just melee weapons. There was guns in it, but they I don't remember them being that useful or you getting that much ammo for them. I think No, I think... it was pretty much only melee, if I remember correctly. I think yeah. the melee weapons were just better in general when it came to zombies. Yeah. Like, you could get a... You, yeah, there were guns, and they were useless because they would attract everything around you and do terror... Yeah, mm-hmm. you'd get, like, seven bullets. Yeah, yeah. Also, Dying Light is kind of part of this dying breed of games which got a proper, proper expansion. Um, mm-hmm. You know, expansions recently have just been a little bit lackluster. They feel like left uh, ideas that were left on the cutting room floor and just oh, kind yeah. of patched together. But I really like the following, the Dying Light expansion. Uh, and it just kind of stands out in my head as the most unique RPG or action RPG of the generation. You know, I would say, I, right before we started recording this, I was thinking, like, I worry that I've forgotten about something. And I wouldn't say that Dying Light, would, Dying Light wouldn't be on my top ten, but Dying Light is definitely one of those games that I don't think it's on my, like, expanded list mm-hmm. of 25 or 30 games. And I would agree, though, with you that Dying Light has stuck around more than I right? thought it would have. Yeah. I didn't put it on my list at the time, I don't think, which was a mistake. I think I called that out the following year. Um, because I, re- yeah, I'm with you. I really liked Dying Light. And it is, I think you're right. It does stand out as one of the more unique games of the gen. And it came out really early in the gen. And... Yeah, that combination of parkour and survival horror and the night cycle being horrifying. and it had a really good loot game to it as well. I really like the loot. The loot game, game was good. The visuals and sound were all good. They, it still looks great. Um it had a pretty satisfying the, the, skill tree as well. You got new skills, which I enjoyed. Yeah, and eventually we get like that grappling hook near the end, which just made everything crazy fast. Yeah. I think that is a great sleeper game to have on the list i was i would (laughs) have never have expected that on there but i yeah dying light has lingered and stood out a lot over time and it sucks that dying light 2 is just missing in action and i hope it turns out because it's really a it's it's a very one-of-a-kind game i think yeah I feel like the loot fest RPG, action RPG genre just hasn't had that many twists. 
yeah. that I can think of. I feel like this gen was the CRPG gen, where CRPGs went mad. And mm. yeah, I just, when I think back to Dying Light, I'm like, damn, I really love that little thing. The little game that could. I agree. I agree. Can't wait for the second one. Yeah. Recently, well, not at some point in the last year, you were like, I swear you said, like, I don't know if, I think you said something like, I don't know if Dying Light is actually, was actually good. <laughs> and I was like offended by that because I was like, excuse me, Dying Light is great. Um, maybe I was drunk, dude. Or maybe I was talking about Dead, been, I- Dead Island. <laughs> maybe you were probably thinking of Dead Island because Dead Island was not great. <laughs> I liked it. It wasn't good, um, but I liked it. But Dying Light was way better than it had any right to be. And I have, I think I've been thinking about like replaying it recently. Yeah, me too. There's a lot of playtime to that game as well. Yeah, yeah. That's great. What a, I love it. I love it. Hey. I don't care what is or isn't on your list. It's your list. Yeah. The comments will, you know, rage to high heavens about why isn't this game on this game on the list and that's great. I will not protest. <laughs> okay. Any absences. But that's it, mate. Your turn. All right. My first, my number 10, you said when you said your number 10, you were like this one is maybe the most disconnected from the rest or something like that mm-hmm. i sort of feel that way a little bit about my number 10 and my number 10 it's it's such a corny boring pick my number 10 is bloodborne oh okay wow i'm actually <laughs> surprised it made it i well see that's why i say it feels disconnected because i don't love playing bloodborne <laughs> i've not spent you know an enormous amount of time with it Though I did, as we discussed last year, because it was my number 10 last year as sort of a troll. Um, I beat it last year, you know, but I like. Gameplay wise, okay, it's the first Souls game or FromSoft game, rather, that ever clicked with me. And Mm -hmm. it's the only one still. And when I think having a FromSoft game, Souls game, click with you. The first one, whenever that happens, the first one is very special, right? Yes. For a lot of people, it was Dark Souls. Um but Bloodborne was the one that clicked for me. And so, you know, that there's, on the one hand, there's the, the gameplay side of it, which, yeah, I, you know, parts of, sometimes I really hate Bloodborne. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because the camera's terrible and the combat can be infuriating sometimes. Uh, and, and honestly, like, one thing that always stood out to me about Bloodborne is, like, the combat sort of always felt really samey all the way through, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that is also because I used my axe for the entire game, so it's sort of on me, uh, a little bit. But the the loop, the gameplay parts of it that I did like, are, it first of all, it was it was a great joy to like discover it, alongside of everyone else, including you. You know, games, discovering a game and then discovering it with other people as well just feels so uncommon nowadays. Partially oh, yeah. because gaming. So many games are just like, eh, I know what this game is. Um, and that's not a bad thing. And honestly, looking over my list, like, I would say honestly, almost every game on this list is a, was a surprise to me at the time. And okay. Bloodborne was that. And discovering it was fun. And then obviously, you know, the, the, the classic Souls loop of like, ah, oh, this boss, oh, my blood pressure, ah, oh, and then you <laughs> kill it. And you're yeah. like, I'm king of the world. Um, that stuff is all good, is fun, um, and has and provided many great moments. I still remember uh, killing Vicar Amelia, the giant dog, uh, on my first attempt, and it was amazing. 
And when I finally beat uh, Garman last year, it was amazing. That's a good Um, fight. It's a great fight. And when Bloodborne's combat is... When everything's clicking, the combat is is very good. Yeah, Uh, I'd love to replay it. The real reason, and, and boy, would it be great if it got some patches yeah. or a PC release. Anyways, the real reason that it is on the list is that lingering part of it is the world part of it. Oh, yeah. Um, the one thing that I really discovered about myself this gen is that like I really like worlds. <laughs> I really like mm-hmm. lore when the lore is you know com- the type of lore that I like. And I, I it turns out I learned also this gen that I really like weird eldritch horror lovecraftian cosmic nightmare stuff and that genre of fiction is extremely underrepresented uh, underrepresented obviously there are lots of books uh all the lovecraft books which boy they've got some fucking problems um but mostly it's written word (laughs) and you know let's be honest books are boring Um, (laughs) wow i'll take (laughs) movies don't really get into it much because it's impossible, like they're literally indescribable creatures and ideas, like you can't fathom them. So how do you put that into a movie? I don't know. They should have asked the Bloodborne people because that Bloodborne did that. Um, yeah. Bloodborne is like, I actually think the best piece of eldritch Lovecraftian horror that's been made because it is so in- aware of the the ideas of that mm-hmm. of those of that fiction and executes and incorporates those ideas into the game like the the entire knowledge and madman madman's insight you know madman's knowledge and gaining insight and and seeing more of the world and every time you encounter a boss you get more of it like all that stuff is so exactly what the ideas of those stories and fiction are but just that world is that world is like the most weird, disgusting, fucked up nightmare <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen. The art everywhere is so incredible. The enemy designs are so disgusting and fucked up. And the expanded lore of that game is honestly tremendous and fascinating and weird. And I mean, last year I read, or maybe it was this year, I don't know. I read the 100-page compiled lore summary that the lore nerds did and it was it was great and <laughs> okay. That's why it's on the list is because of the world more than anything oh, yeah. and that is a world that just it stuck out like a disgusting sore thumb and <laughs> has really lingered in the brain and and is it, I think about it a lot and I would replay that game if it got some enhancements for sure. But yeah, I mean, we didn't I also even, can, mm. we didn't even mention from software in our intro and in our retrospect of the generation, but they probably, as, yeah. a, as a company, had one of the biggest rises this entire generation. Yeah, because they were just they were just starting at the end of last gen with Demon Souls and Dark Souls. Yeah, and then Dark Souls three, Bloodborne, Sekiro, and then now the anticipation for Elden Ring. They really, yeah, they skyrocketed to being one of the the biggest well i mean sales wise they're not but like one of the most respected and Mm -hmm. hyped developers amongst at least the hardcore people yeah uh and bloodborne is definitely i think the peak of that yes uh right now not to say that lots of people didn't like dark souls 3 and sekiro obviously but bloodborne is uh certainly up there and yeah it feels weird to put a game on that i'm like like i you know i almost never want to play 
<laughs> well, uh, because yeah. it's yeah. so challenging. But also, you know, like I said, the gameplay aspects, there were some amazing moments. And then that world is just it's just so weird and good. And all, all of it is is just... Ugh. That's why it's a I crime it. that it's being left to rot in 30 it frame really prison. I want to see the like thousand eyeballed gory mess monsters. Imagine the camera mods <laughs> flying around <laughs> that function- world. Functioning camera. Oh, just a free camera. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, don't get me started. Oh my God, it'd be so good. <sighs> so anyways. God. Amazing game. Point. Amazing. Yes. There you go, nerds. From Software Game is on the list, and it's on my list. Who would have thought? Damn. Well, you know what I just realized? Uh, maybe I don't. I wonder. Mm, nah, never mind. Never mind. Okay. Uh, number nine. We are entering a little bit more familiar territory when it comes to our lists. People who have been listening to top ten of uh, you know, of the years mm-hmm. across the years. Uh, you know, if they know them well, they're probably going to guess a few of these. And my number nine is Soma. Oh, yes. I knew that would be on here somewhere. Oh, yes. Uh, Soma, I don't know if I am bold enough to say it's my favorite story in gaming because in this list there is some just amazing storytelling, but all from a slightly different angle and approach. Some are worlds, mm-hmm. some are characters. Uh, but this is Frictional Games' best work by far. I just played Amnesia Rebirth, and I do recommend that game... But it's not really scary, it's just that company, Frictional, there's something a bit wrong with them in a way which I think is kind of right. Uh, (laughs) They're just really, really good at making sicky, icky, disturbing, uh, just gross worlds. And when you merge that with uh, an ambitious, like high-thinking sci-fi game with deep psychological... Uh, issues and thought queries. Existential horror, baby. It just makes for one of the most thought-provoking and also compelling games I've ever played. I beat this game in one sitting because I just had to know what happened next. Uh, I think the voice actors in this game do a really good job. Uh, I do really like the environmental stuff in the game as well. I think it's one of the most unique takes on post-apocalyptic you actually kind of forget mm-hmm. at the, you know, when you're playing the game, spoiler, that that entire world has ended. Um, and I just like everything that that game does. Uh, I think it would maybe be higher on the list if its horror element was a bit more successful. Uh, you know, it just has a robot turkey which kind of chases after you. Uh, I get it. You know, they made Amnesia. They had to put some horror in there. But um, after playing Rebirth, I kind of feel like those guys... And I don't, I don't want to go on a tangent and review two games at once, but I do feel like... They know exactly what they're doing when it comes to world building. Uh, they're just incredible at that stuff. Um, but uh, when it comes to horror, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get too off topic, but horror's in a bit of a weird place where I'm not sure if it knows where it wants to go outside of monsters chasing you and you running and hiding or jump scares. But in the context of a horrifying world, a horrifying situation, uh, Soma is one of my favorite games of all time when it comes to that. I still think about that story to this day, and I always get excited whenever I see someone on Twitch playing it for the first time, because that is one thing that sucks about single-player games, is once you know, you know, and you just can't... Yeah. You just can't go back. Can't Uh, put the genie back in the bottle. You can't. But uh, Soma, uh, I don't want to say too much about the story, but if you are a sci-fi nerd, uh, absolutely play Soma. 
Yes, yeah. I think yeah, if you like horror, it. you should play it as well. It's not like a scary, scary game, but horror is more than jump scares and monsters, you know? Yeah, yeah. That game is definitely a strange one, you know? The, the, the clash of the horror amnesia stuff and the story, and the, or rather the, the fact that you have to explore mm-hmm. and be meticulous and pick through everything to get all the story has always been a strange thing. And I mean, I remember them putting out that they integrated the safe mode into the game and even wrote a long blog post saying like, yeah, yeah, it's probably better <laughs> if you played it with safe mode on because you're right. Like the, the monsters chasing you around when you're trying to snoop around and read, you know, diaries is really, they don't go together very well. Yeah. And uh, the, the real horror of Soma is when you're trying to sleep at night after finishing it and you're not sure <laughs> yes. if you're real or not. Yes. that Yeah. The horror is not in the gameplay. It's in the writing and the story stuff for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's Soma is a hell of a story. Uh, and yeah, I replayed that last year and it, it's still good. It's still very good. I need to, I need to replay it because it's not just like the main story beats that make that game good. No, no. There's a lot of just good general world building and all. Yeah, that, that game is great. Uh, Frictional also does good like human reactions to crazy situations. They're one <laughs> yeah. of those developers that make every note worth reading in their games. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. My number nine. My number nine is also a horror game. Oh. And now, when what? I say that, it probably limits the selection quite substantially because there were not many good horror games. That's another thing we forgot to talk about. This think... this gen is shit oh, yeah. horror games. Yeah. My number nine is the one and only from 2014, Alien Isolation. Oh yes, you love that game. I do like Alien Isolation quite a bit, or rather, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I just think Alien Isolation is like one of the most unique, hor- well, one of the most unique just gaming things made in a in a while. It's just mm-hmm. I really like Alien. I grew up on Alien. Um, Alien scared me a lot as a child. Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, that first movie. You know, watched it too young, thanks to my parents being good. Uh, <laughs> educating me early and that movie scared the shit out of me for you know a couple years and then obviously i mean now you know they're not scary anymore but i think the idea of alien in the films is still scary Mm -hmm. the original idea of alien you know you're trapped in a spaceship with this like perfect killing machine that's a fucking nightmare yeah and it's hunting you and that's great and they captured that perfectly in the game and it's a flawed game with some weird problems but every time i've played it i've never had anything other than i think the exact intended best experience with that game Mm -hmm. It, it, it always just works for me and it's still fucking terrifying <laughs> i remember playing that thing in vr for a little bit and i couldn't do no. it no yeah. no 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 um it, it like it, it visually is amazing it it still looks tremendous and it captures the visuals of that world yeah. perfectly the sound design the i remember when that game came out it was like the best sounding game i'd ever played because of the placement of the audio from the alien, especially, and you know, you can hear it in the vents and thumping around and uh, it just all comes together so well for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, to the point of 
or regarding the point of the games that linger in my brain, the reason Alien lingers in my brain is I st- probably once a year I have a like vivid Alien nightmare. Oh no. Yeah, and then I have to go and play some Alien Isolation for like 25 minutes, and then, uh, you know. It's just a game, it's just a game, it's just a game. Well, you know, it's just, that game evokes the feeling of you are being hunted Mm -hmm. better than anything I played. And that is like a deep, you know, fundamental animal, you know, instinct of, I and as a human being, we're at the top of the food chain, we don't have to worry about it much. And a game that emulates that so well of being like, nope, this thing is trying to kill me. Um, and the unpredictability of the alien, it, it just, it makes for a hell of an experience. And yeah. they, and I, I have, yeah, I boot Alien Isolation up regularly. I've never played a ton of it. I only have like 26 hours of playtime on it. I think when I beat it, it was 22 hours of playtime. So four hours in the last five years. <laughs> but those four hours are enough every now and then just jump in just be like okay walking around oh my fuck there's the alien i'm out of this close alt f4 um it hasn't been many um like movie ips that are transferred into video games uh, successfully they're usually just terrible they're usually absolutely terrible and alien um alien in film has gone to complete shit over the last 20 years (laughs) yeah boy and that really breaks my heart because the universe is great. And, but also, you know, the first two movies are perfect, so we really don't need any more. But to get a new Alien experience and for it to evoke all the things that I love about Alien. Uh, I mean, I rewatch, I rewatch Alien 1 and 2 at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Every year. For like the last 15 years, probably. They are amazing. Like they're, they're like top, top all-time top movies. And yeah, a game evoking something from film so well is like almost unheard of. Yes. And they, they did an amazing job with it. And I, I, again, sort of like Bloodborne, I don't want to say I love that game, but you know, yeah, I also you know? do. <laughs> yeah. I don't love a game that puts me through such, such bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think when I went into Alien Isolation, I think that was during the height of my, uh, do my YouTube Let's Plays and just playing a lot of shitty horror games over and over and over again so i think i was a bit thick-skinned to alien isolation but i definitely Mm -hmm. still had some really good tense moments in that game Uh, i think i remember just maybe being a little bit too long for the novelty oh yeah oh it is yeah but like you said it perfectly encapsulates that movie and its tone and its vibe and its feel and its aesthetics and i love the lo-fi stuff i just i just love you know so yeah i i should maybe go back to that game because i feel like there were some dlcs i didn't get to ah they're all bad yeah, another one. But if you install the unpredictable alien mod on PC, it, it makes the alien Ooh. more unpredictable. More. It sometimes okay. won't show up. I mean, it's still, you know, tied to store, key story events. It still has to show up, but it'll sometimes disappear for a... Like, I played, like, I don't know, three or four hours of it last summer. And, uh, you know, you can sometimes go for a very long period of time without it showing up. Or sometimes it's right on you for ages. And, uh, it, yeah, it makes the alien even more unpredictable and that's pretty cool yeah i definitely Uh, have some cool memories of us talking while we were playing it and i think i was like oh my (laughs) first alien encounter was here and i thought it was scripted because it actually had some like unique animation where the tail like drapes down this desk Uh, and it obviously probably is a scripted thing but it doesn't happen for everyone because you were like no i didn't see that i was like oh fuck okay (laughs) this is horrible yeah yes alien isolation is horrible (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
it, it just it just like immediately induces like clenched up uh, get me into a locker hide under this table okay there we go i'm uh, just gonna not happened? move for five minutes what happened yeah. to horror man it was it was going so well it did it yeah yeah ai so, hunter yeah. like there's such a oh, never mind <sighs> so was this yeah. jenny where's hideo kojima when you need him he'll he'll come back and annoy us one day make us some horror dude <laughs> um all right number eight uh yeah you know like we said it has been a very big generation for from software and it wouldn't be right if i didn't have a from software game on my list and it's dark souls 3 yeah i figured this would be on here somewhere i don't really have anything new to say about dark souls 3 uh it's the third one <laughs> <laughs> oh but there was a couple of things that made it a bit more special for me. Um, I skipped Dark Souls 2 because I just didn't really like the feel of it. Yeah. And I did like Bloodborne, but I, for some reason, I just didn't really connect with it the same way as some other people did. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Dark you Souls like, 3... You like shields. You can admit it. No, it's not the shields. You like fat rolling. You can admit it. <laughs> no, I, I, like my, uh, I like my skinny rolls. Yeah. But it's, Dark Souls 3 was also the first game that I played on PC in 60 oh. frames per second, looking all shiny and good. And, you know, I don't want to hark on about 30 frames on Bloodborne, but I'm I'm just weird when it comes to frames. I'm, like, more irritated by low frame rates than other people. Yeah. And also Dark Souls 3 kind of came out a little bit quietly. At least it felt like that to me. Uh, I, maybe I, from I software people disagree if they're in the circles, in the subreddits, but I wasn't. And it was just, you know, the third game. It came out, and blood people were just so uh, in love with Bloodborne. Uh, and it just, I don't know, I, just, I guess it was my circle, or I wasn't really looking into it, but I think I didn't even start it a couple game, um, a couple days after it came out. Uh, and I had a quiet weekend. I remember it very well. I had nothing on, uh, and I was still living with my parents, and they had loaded up the fridge with beer, and Uh-oh. I spent eight hours a day over those two days just... Walking down, getting a beer, getting a bit <laughs> sloppy, and just absolutely destroying Dark Souls 3. I'm not wow. good at From Software games. I just want to say this right now. I'm not good at them. Uh, I don't think I've even beaten one of them twice on New Game Plus. I just, when I play those games, I just play to win and survive. And then I see the credits and I go, I did it. And then I leave. You know, I don't do New Game Plus 7. I don't do the PvP. I'm not good at the game. I'm not trying to claim that I am. But for whatever reason, I guess, you know, third in the series, and I'm just trained in the muscle memory of Dark Souls, hence me struggling a bit with Sekiro uh, last year. I just really kind of, uh, what's the word? Dominated that game. I really didn't have much problem with it. I think it is considered to be an easier one because I think they were really going mainstream at that point. So they were probably trying to make it a bit more approachable. That was when Dark Souls became a bit faster in comparison to Dark Souls 1 and 2 because of the success of Bloodborne. So it was the merging of my favorite part of the From Software library, which is Dark Souls, mixed with a bit more speed and aggression of Bloodborne, mixed with beer, mixed with 60 frames on PC and a quiet weekend. And it's one of my favorite like gaming binges. Because hmm. I found like the older I get, the less I really like play a game for like eight or nine hours a day. I just like play oh, but yeah. two, three hours and then, you know, come back tomorrow. It's just not really what I do anymore. Uh, and even at the time, this is like 2016? 16, I think. Yeah. That was still the same. I wasn't really binging many games. Maybe because I yeah. fell, out, fell out of love with shooters. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I played eight hours 
uh, eight hours a day, like 16 hours of this game across two days of a From Software game. And usually I have to like walk away and like you know, de-sweat my palms and take a breather. Right. I, I did for Sekiro, but I don't know. There was just, like you said, there is like one of those games in the franchise which connects with people. And for me, it was Dark Souls 3. And it was a magical, yeah. uh, magical memory for me. My favorite in, the, yeah. uh, in their library so far. We will see, obviously. Mm. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see uh, what the hell Elden Ring is if it ever comes Ooh, out. Yeah, can't wait. Yeah, great. I, I was pretty confident that would be on there somewhere, yeah. Uh, my number eight is a little indie game Ooh. called Return of the Oberdin. Ooh, very nice. Love this um, game. I feel like it wasn't that long ago that we talked about it. I We should have said earlier, we've probably talked about, like, I would I would guess we've talked about every one of these games somewhere else before. Yeah. We can, um, I don't mean to interrupt you, but we can yeah. probably both talk about this game since it's my number seven. Oh, look at that. Wow. And did you know it actually was my number eight this morning? But unfortunately, <laughs> I did demote Dark Souls 3 just because Oprah Din is just mm. something a little special, but... Your, I will let you go great. first. It's your number. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to reference our, our chat about it because we've chatted about it. I think we did a review roundup. And so. then it was yeah. on our lists as well for that year, for 2018. So we've definitely talked about it. Um, I mean, we've talked about all these fucking games. Um, but it just, <laughs> yeah. that was a game um, in the moment. That was a game that really, I, I, I wrote it out here. I said, that was a game that made me feel seen by the indie world. And what yeah. I mean by <laughs> yeah, that yeah. is, yeah. Um, you know, oh man, sometimes the indie games really are just not for me. Like <clears throat> roguelite, pixels, shooter, platformer, soppy story, bullshit. Like, you know, I'm just not into any of those anymore. Uh, well, maybe not any, you know. <clears throat> They're much harder to for me to enjoy them anymore because there's been so many of them. And Oberdin, and I remember specifically at that time as well. I was like, man, these fucking games. Oh, I think that was the year. I don't know. There was a bunch of fall. There was it was like September October 2018. There were some weird games. Like I think it was there's a couple of Ubisoft games out <laughs> and a couple of indie. I think well, Night yep. in the Woods I had tried and yeah, all these things. And I was just like, oh. <sighs> And then bought it when it, you know, had like one review on Steam, had no idea what it was. And man, is Oberdin ever fucking good. Mm -hmm. uh, it just, yeah, it felt like it had ticked like every weird box that my brain likes that doesn't get ticked often. It's like a historical nautical setting. Great. I love that. Um, weird horror shit with an emphasis on oceanic mythos great i love that um an amazing like classical soundtrack great i love that uh a compelling story and then on top of all that it's a friggin fantastic detective game oh yeah it's the best detective game yes uh, yeah it really makes you feel like you are walking around a ship sticking your nose into every little nook and cranny writing things down in your notebook and and deducing a mystery and figuring it out. And it is just, I think it might actually be, there's one other game that I would apply this, these words to. It might be one of the, it's like one of the most unique games ever made. I think it is just yes. so singular, obviously because it's 
all of it except for the voice acting is made by Lucas Pope. And it's such a like, just, you know, pull this right out of his brain type of game. And so, and you can feel that in every part of it. It's just so singular, single-minded vision being put into your computer. And uh, just a, just a, refreshing unique strange wonderful game and i still listen to that soundtrack regularly because it's so good hell yeah it's so good i did I note down the, um, the Oberdin. i noted down the sound design in general i still think yeah. about the sound when you get three answers Bum, oh dun, 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 dun. it's so good i have all those sound effects saved <laughs> on my computer i actually do, did do, note down do. uh the first thing i read about it is that i think it's the most creative game of the entire generation yeah. When it comes to a single thought and a single idea, there is just nothing else like it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when it comes to video games, I, I do love a good theatrical Uncharted game. I oh, do yeah. love a great world and story, but there's, you know, you can, you can do that in books and TV shows and movies. And sometimes there's things that only video games can do. And the Oberdin is, I think, one of the best examples of gaming. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty big statement, but it it's, is. It's one guy with one idea, and you can't do it in any other medium, and that is the Oberdin. And also, this generation just wasn't that good for puzzle games. You know, a lot no. of Portal-like ripoffs on Steam that I, I still enjoyed quite a lot of them, but it's a lot of imitation from Portal. When it comes to unique ideas, yeah, there was a, there was a couple of standouts, but I think the Oberdin is easily one of the best puzzle games of all time. Oh, it was so good. I uh, think I'm getting ready to replay it as well because I enough time has passed that I've forgotten it all uh, uh, in terms of the solutions. I, I hope, yeah, I'd love to. I might wait a little longer, um, you know, but I do want to replay it at some point just to go through the whole thing again because it's, it's yeah, it's so, it's so weird and great. And I think uh, I just love the lack of hand-holding in that game. You, you, you're given yeah. very, very little to go on. I think you're give, you're probably given like a free pass on like, five of the cases of the people getting sold for yeah you. the captain his wife yeah and a couple of others and that's it and then you, you know it's not a detective game where you're it's just emulating the experience of a de detective it's not like that you yeah. really have to be a detective it's it's tough it's not an emulation it's it's the job like you've There's got like a snooping. long period in the middle where it's like it's brutal yeah you're overwhelmed you're by like, the information you're going to figure out how yeah. you're going to sort through it where you're going to start and i think when, I, when we first talked about it, I kind of complained about that. I thought the onboarding mm -hmm. was difficult and it was overwhelming. But I don't know. Like now that time has passed, I don't know if I would change that. I think the notepad could be made more intuitive to use from like a user interface. Yeah, probably. But I don't know. Like sometimes being overwhelmed by information and figuring out where to start is just kind of part of being a detective, I guess. It was the experience. I loved it. That, but that's my number seven, dude. So it's literally straight back to you. Great, great, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, you know what? This is actually an interesting contrast because you said this, you said uh, that broad statement about Oberdin that it's like this is, an, like this is one of the great examples of what gaming can be. I think, mm -hmm. yeah, if you, I, I, it's a great example of like here is this weird singular small indie quote unquote game, and then if you put it up against something like my number seven, which is the most AAA. <laughs> expensive ass thing ever made you'd be like wow gaming can really cover a, a lot a, a lot of territory so my number seven man i 
the placement of this has really fucked. It's it's. Oh. Yeah. My number seven is God of War. Ah, okay. Okay, I knew it was coming. And oh, it's painful. Like I've number seven. Okay. I think God of War is better than like most of the games on this list. Mm-hmm. In at just about everything. Yeah, it's just going to go towards like what we were talking about when it's. Like the uniqueness of the package, maybe because it's a Sony Sony game, but it is probably the best uh, one yeah. of the best ones. I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> it's just it's so tough. Um, I do think all the others have a little bit more uniqueness to them, but God of War is so good. Mm-hmm. Like it's just I I have in my notes here. I think it. I do think it is the best made AAA game to date so far. Mm. Every part of it is like tremendously well made. You know, maybe the, like the only faults I could maybe give it is like, okay, the menus are kind of shitty. You know, at times yeah. and there's too many, too many like crafting currencies. But like every game is that way now. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. But just the 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 combat, which I'll get to come back to the visuals. The sound design, the world, the, the plot, you know, the main plot is like, uh, it's fine. It's a blockbuster plot, you know, but the world around it is great. Uh, the, like the cutscene production, the the side stuff with the, uh, uh, the, the the set pieces, that's the word I was looking for. The, you know, the boss fight with the, the dragon also or the, the crazy. The sheer amount of it. And then, then yeah, the, the quantity of it. Like, oh, yeah. And, and it was a great surprise because... They did a good job of keeping that game kind of mysterious. I remember going into it, you know, being curious, but I also remember not knowing what it was and also seeing a GIF a couple days before release of uh, Kratos, like, throwing uh, Atreus up and him throwing a chain down. And I was like, wow, that's some Last of Us looking fucking... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Sony games, huh? Sony games. And... But it turns out <laughs> God of War is really, really, really good. And it is it was a surprise to like at every point that every major story beat in that game, I was like, all right, we're getting to the end of the game here. Like I remember getting, you know, you get to you go to the the first elf world. Oh, and I yeah. was like, Oh, that's that's interesting. There's another world. That's cool. I presume this is the only other area. And and then you get up to the the fog, you know, you clear the black fog. And I was like, well, I'm probably getting near the end of the game. I'm at like 12 hours, 10, 12 hours. You know, I, I presume it's like a linear game, right? And then, you know, and then the water level drops. And it's <laughs> like, nope, here's all this side content. Oh, this new world is unlocked. Um, it was a, It was a great pleasure to go through that game and just be constantly surprised at how gigantic and well-made it is. And it, And at the same time, it doesn't feel too big like it is like god of war is technically i think an open world game but pseudo (laughs) doesn't feel like one to me because it it's so like all the parts of it are such digestible chunks and it's a scope and scale that feels really i want more games to be the size of god of war because it's like a I don't know, it's probably like a 15, 18 hour main plot and then a ton of side content. Yeah. And that's great. Um, It was the game, I remember earlier, or throughout the gen, I was like, I want 
a developer to out Naughty Dog, Naughty Dog at production values. Mm. And not, and God of War did that. God of War to me raised the standard for what I want from a super premium, like, you know, you could call it quote unquote, like a quadruple A game. Right? You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. obscenely high production values. And because Uncharted 4 had come out the year before and it was like, or two years before or whatever it was. And it was like, yeah, it's Uncharted. Uncharted's great. Yeah. I like Uncharted 4 a lot. Great game. Good job, Naughty Dog. But then, but it was like, it's another one of those. Naughty Dog's doing their thing. Great. But then God of War was just like, all right, you fuckers, let's go to 11, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it did. And it, it, it raised the bar. And I mean, not to bring up Naughty Dog, but they definitely did not exceed it with their subsequent <laughs> video game, which I will not mention. Um, I, will, I will soon. Don't worry. Oh, God. Fuck. <laughs> um, and yeah, I like how every part of it sort of makes sense within the world. Like how the side content is slowly revealed because the Jormungandr is coming out of the water and the water level drops. Uh, just little things like that. The, the, the sort of light Metroidvania stuff, you know, with the, the, the bow light and the little abilities that you get to unlock new areas. Like they all just make sense yeah. in that world. And the last two things I would say is I think it's... It, no, I know that it is my favorite melee combat system to date. Mm-hmm. I just think it is there's a versatility to it. Um like a build-wise versatility to it along with just every fight feels so good. Yeah. So tight and so like angry, you know? Like they capture that Kratos meme God of War 1 2 3 like, "Rah, I'm so mad." Um but and they like they transfer that into just the feel of the combat where you just feel strong in like every way in the combat in that game. And it's just, I I've played it through three times oh, now wow. actually. Uh, and it has been, and it's just a joy to play every time for me. It's, and I remember thinking when I beat the game, when I had finished hundred percenting it, on release, or, you know, just after release, a week after. I, I think I got through that game in, like, four or five days. I shotgunned that game. Um, I remember thinking, I would play a sequel to this game right now. Yeah. I just spent, like, 55 hours with this. I would play another 55 right now. And that still is the case. And I would replay that game. Like, I already have the itch to just replay it. Because it's just... There's nothing like a really good action adventure triple a experience and i think god of war is the best of the lot this gen it, uh, and that's it why getting, it feels um, mm. is it getting playstation 5 enhancements i assume no n- ah. not yet they said it will be 60 fps but that's because the game shipped with a performance mode and it was 1080 with like a shaky you know 30 to 40 fps and now it'll just be a locked 60 and okay. it's like i'll probably still get, replay it i want yeah i want like Give me a 4K 60 version of that game. Yeah, insane. Um, it's 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 like a p- top tier comfort food game for me. I would say it's just, uh, and it is so every part of it is so good and so well made that that's why it feels so weird that it's number seven. But uh, you know, whatever. I uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. <laughs> it uh, it didn't make my list, but I do, uh, I do agree with a lot of things you said. 
I think the only thing that held it back for me when it comes to this list is a lot of it does feel format-wise quite similar to what was going on at the time. It was just like the best iteration of a lot of yeah. other ideas, if that makes sense. Well, that, that brings up an interesting point that I hadn't even thought of, which is I have disliked the overwhelming majority of open world games mm. and games similar to God of War this gen. Like, And it came out after, what was it? Early 2018, April 2018, I think. So that was after the point of like a few years post Witcher of like, just here are these games, here's some open world games and I don't like it at all. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, here's Assassin's Creed, here's this, here's that and this and that. And I just didn't like any of them. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It, it does. It is doing a lot of similar things to a lot of the, those other games. But I think the reason it, has clicked so well with me is because I don't like any of those other games and I would bounce off of them so quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's an amazing game. I look forward to replaying it before the next one. Yeah. Just, yeah. It just didn't connect for... with me on, uh, as you know, as, as high yeah. of an esteem, but I still had an amazing yeah. time in that game. And it's just like fun seeing the like ceiling of production values for the time yes and god of war was like this is as shiny as it gets oh yeah i still think it i still think it is honestly yeah just the the, and also it's just it's so weird to be like i really like a god of war game yeah the surprise of it was really neat yeah and the comeback for the studio was was really cool and and you know and it, it is really smart about the way it is like reflecting of its on itself and its weird past and the way it integrates the lore of the old games yeah, some and, really good moments as well yes yeah just top to bottom that is a game that is just a pleasure yeah. uh, i don't yeah. know if i really have any complaints about that game honestly no i don't think i do i, I, I you know the par- a couple parts of the story are a bit you know tedious with the little kid becoming a snobby brat um yeah that character thing was probably a bit too fast a bit, bit, yeah, a bit and I, think he's, I think they've said i think they've said as much as well they were like yeah we rushed through that that should have been better and it's like yeah yeah you know but i i yeah i can't really think of any like sequence or moment or frustrate like it's just a black i mean the, the valkyries are kind of shitty and i did yeah but they give you like i did one and i tried a second one and i was just like "Ah, i don't i just like wasn't really i didn't really want like souls like boss fights so i just you know i wanted my theatrics and my cinematics so i just just didn't do them that also just reminded me of another part of it that i that i really liked at the time that has is less important in in the replays which is the the like the loot game aspect of it yeah because this was at the time when uh one of destiny 2's dark moments it was the darkest of times for destiny 2 and monster hunter world had come out just a month before oh yeah i do remember that time and everyone was into that and i was like man i would love a loot game right now and then god of war just out of nowhere nowhere had it and was you know decent and good at that stuff exciting to get new gear in that game yeah and and so it was nice to that that was part of it as well that made that first experience but it has held up really well on oh, subsequent yeah. experiences yeah so god of war, god of war. number what number was that that was number your seven. seven so it's my six uh i don't you might be surprised by this one i'm not sure mm-hmm. but my number six 
is Doom from 2016. Oh, oh good, 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 good. So for me, uh, like I was saying, I just 2016 wasn't the best year for shooters for me. I just wasn't really, I wasn't into the yeah. zeitgeist of PUBG, and like I wasn't really just like playing any shooters really. And I still love the genre. Like I just love pointing and clicking on shit. And you played Doom first. Uh, I remember, oh, I remember it so clearly. I remember the <laughs> early footage that came up for Doom. And obviously great, you can't yeah. like visually look at a combat system and like, you know, except for animations, you can't know like the, um, there's like an actual term for game feel, which I can't remember. It's called like kinetic feature or something. I don't know. Yeah, game you, feel. <laughs> you can't tell like game feel until you get it in your hands. And mm-hmm. I know it was flashy and it was gory, but Doom had been such a sleeper IP that I just saw the footage. I didn't care. And for whatever reason, they had a beta for the multiplayer Oof. first. And, and then there were no yeah. review copies sent out either because they yeah. thought everyone would hate it. <laughs> and I just forgot about it. And yeah. The day came, it came out, and you were like, Doom's really good. And I still kind of didn't really believe you. <laughs> <laughs> because you like, you like shooters a bit more than I do sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I was like, okay, okay, I'll give it a go. And it's probably one of my favorite uh, moments in the generation when it comes to trying something uh, not really knowing what it is, not really knowing if you're going to like it, and you have that kind of moment of, you know, realizing, oh my god, I really, really like this. This is a thing. And Doom, um, actually, looking at the list, there's a, there's one more that maybe had a bit more of a substantial moment in that kind of context. But God of War, um, fucking God of War, Doom is one of the best surprises of the generation for me. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. And yeah. that moment of uh clicking with the flow of doom's combat for the first time is something i won't forget uh, i love the level design of the first game i love the music obviously i think the game looks great uh i think it was actually i could be getting this wrong but it might be close to when i first got my uh higher refresh rate monitor and it was one of like the smoothest playing experiences ever or maybe i played that when i just got the monitor i don't remember but one of the best feeling uh first person shooters of the generation and nice to get a little, you know, a, a single-player first-person shooter game. But it felt like those were kind of fading away. And that was the year we had Titanfall 2 as well. It was a good oh, year. Oh, my sweet boy, Titanfall 2. Yeah. Um, yeah, Doom Doom was, yeah, it was like, the it was like oh, wow. This, oh, uh, first-person shooter campaigns. Oh, my God. They're, wow. They're here. They're alive. They can be good still. Wow. Um, it, it might surprise you to hear that Doom, there is no Doom game on my list. <gasps> um but this is the nice thing about the two of us doing lists is that we sort of can sometimes cover each other's <laughs> spots that don't have, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, look, uh, Doom is fucking incredible. So mm-hmm. uh, it's great that it's on the list somewhere. It is uh, the standout first person shooter of the entire generation for me. Yeah. Yeah. I I think both Doom games are amazing. They're both sort of amazing at doing different things. Yes. And um, I love both of them. That first game is pretty special uh, and definitely was the right lightning in the bottle. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think I sort of like Doom Eternal a little bit more. I can see that, yeah. But Doom 2016 is probably better, you know? It's just one of those things. Cleaner, um, I'd say. It's It's just one of those games that, like, you see it a lot in movies as well, where it's just like, here are the right people. They're not sure if what they're doing is going to be liked and so they're but they're and then it comes out and they're really unsure 
and it's, it turns out it's like this perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And then the subs, the follow-up, they're a little overconfident, and the parts that were good the first time are overdone, and they sort of fall down a little bit. And that's very much the case with Doom and Doom Eternal, I think, in, in terms of just the this, the writing and the sort of humor and the presentation. The sort Like, Doom is very much a linear first-person shooter campaign, whereas Doom Eternal is more of a video game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, Doom is so good. It is. That It's just, there's not much you need to say about it. Uh, um, and it really is one of the standout surprises of the entire gen. Yeah. Because no the, one, um, I don't the, think anyone, anyone was expecting anything from it. And it is, you know, an iconic tentpole in the generation yeah. now. The roll-off of that moment was really fun. Just slowly seeing the snowball pick up speed. Because yes. it felt like it took a while for people to find that game. You were on it early, and I was... I don't remember how far behind you I was. A little bit. But it still felt like... I don't know. It took like a couple of like uh, awesome games done quick for people to really start like playing it. Like the first one. It just felt like it took quite a while for people to like, yeah, grab it. Yeah, probably a couple of Steam sales, you know? Yeah. People, before people were like, okay, I'll, I'll try it now. See what everyone's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that very well as well. Because no, no uh, reviews. I was curious about it because like i just you know first person shooters and then doom and or wolfenstein historically uh played a big role in my childhood mm-hmm. or you know it was one of the standout games i played so i you know sort of kept my ear to the ground on doom and i remember um one or two people right on i think like daniel dwyer and brad shoemaker were like tweeting they were like on launch day you know they had played an hour of doom and they were like hmm doom might be amazing and i'm like <laughs> what uh and then i remember i think we bought it somewhere cheap like on green man gaming because i was like i don't know if they're i don't know if i trust this but I, you know mm. i'm gonna go for it for 40 dollars or something and uh obviously <laughs> it turned out it was pretty fucking good oh baby it still is nothing gets me more pumped than bfg division <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is the, the most like I'm gonna shake my head off my neck head banging song ever in a video game. <laughs> um, great, excellent. Hell my number yeah. six. Uh, my number six is Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, nice, very nice. This is a case where Horizon God of War. Which do you choose with a gun to your head? And I'm like, uh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's the, I keep. I'm still not sure. If you ask me which, which do you like more? Yeah. I think God of War is better in almost every way, except for story and writing. But Horizon is such a unique, is unique and surprising and so much better at everything than I ever thought it would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've definitely talked about Horizon a lot. Um, in video, we we did a review. It was our number one, and you and I discuss you know the the story stuff in it still oh, uh, here and there. Love it. Um, so you know, to the story is amazing. The world is amazing. It is full of a lot of really, really well executed sci fi ideas uh, and concepts, and it. I th- but I think the the 
biggest two things for me about Horizon is one that it is like is it maybe the only it feels like it's the only new AAA game this generation. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah. you know, we didn't get a lot of new IP, let's say, and uh Horizon right, right. Horizon was a new a truly new uh brand new world. And that is a plays a huge role in it, especially because that world is a great sci-fi world, which we don't get enough of either. Um, well, sure, it was Gorilla, and they and not to well, be so rude, that ties but... into yeah. Well, that ties into my other major point is that it is like one of the great surprises. I mean, there was like I said, a lot of the games on this list are all surprises to me. Yeah. But Horizon is like, whoa, uh, didn't see that coming. I remember you know, being very excited for Horizon simply because it was something new. It looked amazing and it and it was sci-fi. So I was like, I okay. remember I, there being a bit of worry. It was like, yeah. there'd been a lot of E3 was, demos which had been maybe a bit exaggerative and a bit too e- good to be true. Oh yeah, especially, yes, yeah. There yeah. had been a lot of those over the last, the few years uh of of last gen and this gen yeah, yeah lots of, and every time they showed horizon it was like whoa to me it was whoa. a bit like yeah sure you know what mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> mm-hmm. oh 100 sure. yeah i bet we're those robots um and turned out those demos were perfectly accurate um i'm and i might say they undersold it a little bit honestly for me in certain probably, regards yeah yeah because yeah going into that game you know, I was expecting to enjoy the visuals, mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah, I was like, b- b- big dinosaur robots. That exactly. looks fun. Lost planet. Yeah. And 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 it's like, okay, well, gorilla. You know, eh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, and I, I I expected the combat would be okay, maybe, and the story I had, you know, I had no expectations for, and then I just was there because it was something new, and then it turned out to be good at everything, <laughs> great at everything. Yeah, the combat's good stellar. Adds more things we even knew it would do. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It ticked more boxes than I thought it was going to, or that it even needed to. Is what I'd say. Yes. Yeah, because the combat's really strong, mm-hmm. uh, especially now with it on the PC and mouse and keyboard. Really good. Uh, the combat really comes to life with the mouse. Uh, obviously, visually amazing. I think. Horizon might still be my favorite looking game of the gen. Mm. It's just so bright and poppy and colorful. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And it was the first game that I that really blew me away just after because it came out like six months after the Pro PS4 Pro came out. So it was the first game that really took advantage of 4K and HDR, uh, and is just like eye meltingly gorgeous. Um, but then the biggest surprise of all is the story and the world and the fact oh, yeah. that there's it, it's a fascinating world. It's really well fleshed out with a modern history in that the factions that have risen up all have uh, they're all genuinely interesting. And the main A plot of the game is really interesting. Oh yeah. And then there's this whole other world of the history of the world. Um the the you know our future their history the apocalypse the fight the the problem solving through science of dealing with the robot scourge eating the earth the game is so um, so nerdy as well i didn't i didn't think it was going to go that way yeah 
It really is. And it's, it, yeah, I, it, it has held up really well. I, I played through most of it again on PC, and it was a great time there. The, the, all the sci-fi writing is still some of the best we've had. And I don't know what else to say. It's, it's, it's I don't, a unique I, one. I, I have nothing more to say about it, dude. Hasn't really, okay. hasn't really stuck around in my head much, to be honest. Roger that. <laughs> so, haha. My number five. We're getting into it now. Uh, one of the fondest examples for me of playing a game alongside other people. My number five for the generation is The Witness. Oh, Yay. The Witness. Uh, this is kind of a similar setup to Doom, where you and Ben, I remember at the time, were really interested in this game. Uh, it had been in production for so long. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't really connect with Braid that much. So No, me neither. Yeah. So hearing Jonathan Blow was doing another project, uh, I just I was like, I don't know, it's, it just looks like you're doing line puzzles. Like, who gives a shit about line puzzles? <laughs> and I thought that uh, up to the day it came out. And up to when you started saying it was good. And up to the time where I started playing it. Mm -hmm. I was playing it, and then I remember I went to a section that I still to this day don't really enjoy that much. Which for any Witness fans, it is when you, from the spawn you go left and you take another left. And it's like the symmetry area. You've got the, mm. the blue and the orange lines. And there was some kind of clever gimmicks amongst that section. But uh, I was just like not really engaged with it. And I remember very clearly that uh, I think from there I went to the shadow area mm. where I looked at the, the temple. Oh, no, the one where you're sketching around the shadow. Oh, in the forest, in the forest. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I remember looking at one of them and being like, I don't understand what the hell's going on here. There's no lines at all, or no guidance on what to do. <laughs> and then the eureka moment was like, oh. My brain really likes this, actually. And mm -hmm. following along in your guys' footsteps, us all discovering the expanses of that game and just kind of giggling the entire time at being just overwhelmed and surprised by how deep and diverse a line puzzle game had got, it just oh. felt like an idea that had really got out of hand in the best way yeah. possible. <laughs> and yes. it's such a weird and fascinating game. Yep. And we're going to get into it later, but one of my favorite things in video games is discovery. Because yeah. uh, again, like going back to Oprah Din, like that is another game where discovery is in the player's hand. It's your agency. And as much as I like movies and books and plot twists and story revelations, when it's in your hands, it's just something a little bit special and something that video games can only do. And The Witness is just the entire game is that. There is no hand-holding. You can go anywhere on the island at any time. You can do any puzzle in any order, depending on your knowledge. And you're just left to do whatever you want in whatever order. <laughs> and it's just one of the best examples of letting people just do it how they want to do it. Uh, it's really awesome that the game works like that. I know it can be difficult from a game dev point of view to let players just go anywhere. Um, you know. But when you let people do that, aka like Breath of the Wild, it obviously just really connects with people. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't go much deeper into a line puzzle game. But the thing that made it so magical was, I guess we were probably still on Skype at the time. 
was just sharing Probably. our experiences and also sharing like which areas we're struggling with because everyone's brain is different and everyone's you know we, we deduce puzzles differently and figure out and have logical brains or visual brains and it was just a really great experience to share with other people and i don't know i'd like to think it would still be on this list without the shared experience because it was still a ridiculous ridiculously high quality puzzle game Way more content than I expected. It was like a 30 to 40 hour game. It was just absurd. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's just something really great about sharing an experience with other people, having different experiences and uh, talking as you go. And The Witness was my favorite one of those moments. Uh, From Software Games, also very good at uh, having those moments when you play it by someone and you discuss what bosses you're struggling with. And I didn't think I'd have that with a puzzle game, but I did. And on its own, it is still one of the best most thorough and well-designed puzzle games of the generation. It is flawless, kind of. And also, you know, the one additional set of puzzles is one of the most fun discoveries in gaming. Oh, of this gen. so good. I'm not going to say what it is in case you haven't played no. the game. Uh, but it was fun because it took me so long to find it. Again, like different yeah. brains work different ways. So I'm like too... Yeah, I remember it was ages for you and Ben got it really early. Yeah. And then I was like 15 hours, 18 hours in and you, it was like 30 or something. It was ages for you. I, yeah. I learned a lot about myself that I'm like too... I'm too logical at times and I, I always think there's rules and I don't like to try right. and go outside of the rules a lot. And, you know, a certain thing in the game told me or taught me at least to sometimes think outside the box because it really feels like a game which is just rule-based. And sticking to... Well, and literally all the puzzles are in a box. Yeah. And there are rules yeah. to the puzzle, but it doesn't tell you the rules. So sometimes assuming a rule gets you, like, really confused and stuck. Ugh. Uh, it's just a fantastic example of puzzle design and letting people just figure it out on their own and take their time and do it in whatever order they want. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely love The Witness. Uh, one of the best puzzle games of all time. Yes, I agree. My number five. Moving on. <laughs> okay. My number five. I want to hear no groans from the crowd. You uh, fuckers. Okay. My number five is Destiny. Uh, or Destiny 2. Uh, or whatever. Yeah. I'm sort of cheating. Yeah. Uh, in, I am including both games in one sure. slot. Because, like, come on. You know, I mean, let's be real here. It's one continuous game, it is, yeah. more or less. Um, obviously, if you know me, Destiny uh, was probably always going to be on this list. Maybe, depending on what month it was. Maybe it would have been on my worst games, though. Who knows? <laughs> Destiny has fluctuated in placement on this list. It was higher four hours ago. Oh, It has probably been lower was the expansion Earlier that bad? Year. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. I just... I, w I was just... Uh, no, I had just sort of left my top five untouched for a long time. And then I was just giving it one more gut check. And I was like, I have to remember that as much as I love Destiny, there have been many periods of frustration and disappointment. So it just sort of felt... Like, it felt a little wrong to put it above some of the others on this list. So mm -hmm. I put it right in the middle because, you know, maybe tomorrow it would be off the list or maybe tomorrow it would be number one. Who fucking knows with Destiny anymore? Um, we've talked about Destiny many times. Unfortunately. We reviewed it years ago. 
It was the first game we ever got for free for review, actually. Oh, weird. yeah. Weirdly enough. We got it one day before launch, which was uh, fascinating. Discovering that game before anyone else had. Playing it and being like, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is this game? Um, but I don't want to talk about what Destiny has not been or its frustrations because those are well documented <laughs> both on this channel and across the internet. Oh, yeah. Um, Destiny... I want to talk, you know, I feel like I've never properly sat down and thought and put into words why I like Destiny so much. So I will attempt to do that now. It okay. is the one I have the most notes for. So I apologize if oh, it boy. runs long. But Destiny is the, it's my most played game. I'm going to, I'm going to refer to Destiny and as one game, I'm referring to both Destinies here, mm -hmm. but I'm referring to the cumulative experience and playtime and all these things. Destiny is the most played game I have ever, uh, ever for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, it has eclipsed Halo 3. Jesus um, Christ. Maybe, I... not, not, maybe not by much. That's sad. But it has eclipsed the, eclipsed the like 1,200 hours or so of, of Halo 3. Um, it is far and away the most played thing of the generation for me, obviously. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Oh, man. I don't even know where to fucking go with this shit. <laughs> God. <laughs> Okay, a, a little preamble here. Halo has always been, or, or was always when it was Bungie's Halo, it was a very consistent, reliable, helpful game for me <laughs> as a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a weirdo, antisocial, don't get along, don't like talking to people. Halo 1, 2, 3, and even 4 a little bit, less so with 4 because I was older then, but like every time... Halo just always sort of lined up with like, I'm in a new school. How am I going to make friends? Oh, Halo 3 just came out, you know? Yeah. And and then obviously those Halo games are uh, consistently great. Also, on top of that, it helps that, you know, they're good games. So Halo was like this really consistent, helpful game series throughout childhood. And then Destiny has provided a similar consistent helpfulness in different regards in different ways destiny is like the ultimate fallback to have that i have it's like the yeah. ultimate i can just go to it and even when it's in a, in a really bad period i can still go and boot up destiny and just run around and shoot things and and enjoy it but, you know, when it's at its best, it's a game that you can, I can just go to and there's something to do. And mm -hmm. it's a, usually, you know, a small task, something digestible that you can, a goal you can set and achieve in a short period of time. It's very helpful, especially over the years. There have been some fucking ups and downs over the years, let's say, you know, mm -hmm. and Destiny, even when it's, well, I, I was going to say it's always there, but it's not always there. But it has been the most consistent and reliable game series of the generation for me in terms of just something I can escape to, which is good. Yeah. Which, But that also does tie into the dark periods of Destiny, which is when, when Destiny isn't there, you know, it isn't the comfy blanket to put on. You're like, oh... Now I don't have anything to do with my life. <laughs> no, that's, you know, it's an exaggeration, but uh, th that is what it evokes at times, you know, when it's like, oh, my, my, my comfort is gone. 
my 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 reliable thing has oh fuck oh and then it comes back and you're like oh hey buddy nice to see you again <laughs> um but anyway so there that, that's part of destiny's appeal but um there's a lot more to destiny that i like i every part of it feels like incredibly premium and polished obviously it looks incredible still to this day the new expansion looks unbelievably good obviously um it sounds amazing the menus are great the soundtrack is great the gun feel i mean that's that's the if the game isn't fun to play i'm not going to play it let alone for 1200 plus hours or whatever ungodly <laughs> yeah, amount of time i'm at now and that game has mastered the easygoing feel good you know i don't know column of all like every every tick box you could check off to make a game satisfying and feel good that game does all those things and it just taps into the lizard brain and just pleases it endlessly which is a big part of it as well um in a in in sort of in relation to the bloodborne topic of worlds destiny's world is amazing it is an amazing science fiction world and we haven't gotten a lot of sci-fi worlds uh this generation yeah. or just in general they're they're lackluster and you know the ways the in which the world is manifested in game are limited let's say it's mainly a visual experience in game which is still a good thing because like every gun and every piece of armor in that game looks good and every world you go to looks good but once you get into the nerdy lore shit like I enjoy, there's so much fun and weird and creative and wacky out there sci-fi stuff that they have done with with the lore in Destiny, which I uh, con continue to enjoy greatly. Um, there's... Oh, God, what else? The, it has also provided some of the best, like the all-time best co-op sort of multiplayer gaming experiences to date in the form of the raids. Uh, raids oh, yeah. are probably the coolest thing that has been done with first-person shooter co-op. You know, it's just, it's cool, so yeah. singular, I think. And they have, there are like, I have so many vivid memories of certain Destiny experiences. Like the first, going into oh, yeah. the first Vortal raid. Glass is still very memorable to me going into the vault of glass on launch weekend with a bunch of strangers that were all good, all good people. And we go into this thing. No one has any idea what it is. No one has any idea what to expect from a raid. Uh, everything else with destiny one at the time was kind of a mess, not kind of, it was, it was a colossal mess and you go into this raid and it's just this like weird, challenging, mysterious, like puzzly first person shooter experience that is it's hard as hell uh it's mysterious and it and it took us two nights of like six hours across two nights i was up until like 4 a.m on a friday and a saturday night and you know clawing through that weird first raid uh and that that first raid i think actually saved the entire destiny franchise <laughs> maybe i yeah. think if that i think if that first raid wasn't what it was that, that game would have died I think people would have walked away from it, but that raid showed them, showed me and everyone else that still loves Destiny something special mm -hmm. that Destiny does do and still does to this day. And 
I had that again with the Last Wish raid two years ago with a bunch of strangers again. Uh, it was eight hours across Saturday and Sunday. Fucking difficult <sighs> and exhausting. But it also ended with the classic, the ultimate, okay, we're going to do one more attempt and then we're going to retire. We're going to give up and we'll come back next week when we're all a little stronger. All right, everyone, <laughs> let's let's do it one more attempt after beating our heads against it for six hours. And we did it, you know? And when you've been grinding against something for like 16 hours and you're on the literal last attempt and you pull it off, it is like nothing else in a game that I've ever played before. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just all those things combined. It is in a lot of ways like the dream game for me of just like here's a comfy first person shooter that I can just pretty much now in the place that it is now with their content rollout and at almost any time of year I can just jump in and I can play it and there's something new to do um or at least something to do and I do think it has I remember having very specific desires for what or hopes for what Destiny was going to be when it came out I remember they did a, a small event like two weeks after launch. Um, and I was like, okay, interesting. So they're going to be going to be doing like all sorts of, you know, Oh, come come back next week for this and come back the week after for that. And in the case of destiny one, it turned out that was not the case. And that game was just so such a mess for so long. And they have got, it has come so far in such a, in that period of time. And, you know, I don't think it'll ever be, it's never going to be perfect, obviously. That game is monumentally flawed, and it always will be. I think it's just trying to spin too many plates because it appeals to so many different crowds that it'll just never quite manage to please everyone. Yeah. Because it is so casual and accessible, but it is also so impenetrable and hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's okay. I also... I don't know. Maybe... I don't know if it, we've already had destiny at its peak we might have i'm not sure if it's achieved its full potential yet maybe it did already and i didn't notice you know um forsaken might have been the best that destiny will ever be but even destiny as it is now which is this weird seasonal expansion pass thing because the model for destiny will always be fucking bizarre and expensive as well um the form that it is in now is great uh, I, I had notes saying, you know, I sitting here, I just want to, I'm just thinking about booting up Beyond Light. I, we're recording this a day after, so I've now played some of Beyond Light. But uh, it has occupied such an enormous amount of time this generation, both in play and in my mind. You know, every time there's a weekly update blog post, I'm, I'm there and I read it. Uh, every time there's a trailer, it's exciting. Um, Every time there's a new expansion, I'm desperate to get in. And that's not going to change. It's been six years now. Oh. Uh, and and they've announced two more years of Destiny 2 content. And then maybe it'll be done. I don't know. There's speculation that the last expansion they announced will be the end. And maybe it will be. And that'll be eight years of Destiny. And, and if that's the case, so be it. Um, but as long as Destiny is getting content, I will be playing it. And I've never had a game like that before. You know, people yeah. 
people still play WoW to this day, uh, desperately. You know, whenever there's an expansion, they're they're all over it. And I've never connected with a game that offers that. And it's really cool to be able to to have that with Destiny. And I think I also think Destiny is sort of the for better or worse, probably for worse, the game that defined the generation in a lot of ways, I think. Um because it came out so early. It was the first huge game of the gen, uh, you know, like eight months, ten months into the generation. And then everyone has tried to copy it since then and <sighs> fucking failed miserably for whatever reason. Because the genre and... sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I say for, for, you know, for better or for worse, because they're the only ones that have figured it out. Yeah. And they figured it out and they have done a lot of amazing stuff with destiny and it continues to change, which is sometimes frustrating, but it's also exciting. Cause you know, like, I don't know, they're now they're doing live events and they're not very, you know, they've done, they did one other one. They did it over the weekend and the traveler started getting all glowy and then went super cyan and, and killed the servers for 14 hours and <laughs> destroyed eight planets. And which was all, it was planned. You know, they were, they were doing a blackout for maintenance and but you know they they tied it into these things and it was like oh that's cool and now after three years the traveler is healed and it's like oh that's neat Uh, uh, cool what else can they do with this next year or two years from now um yeah so i don't know it's fucking destiny fuck you Destiny gets so much shit and you know what i mean i give it shit all the time because i love it right it's it's easy to be frustrated when you care yes. <laughs> about it. More and, easy, I'd say. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously, obviously for lots of people that don't like Destiny, it's, they, they wish Bungie would move on, and I get that. But... Uh, some moving on, just like, do, can't you do something else at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't I mean, to, maybe. You don't have to kill Destiny, just do something yeah. else. Yeah, but uh, let me just look at my notes here. I think I, think I hit all the points that I think will be the end of my destiny spiel. I look forward to playing it this evening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Six years later. It's fair, man. It's fair. I had, I had some good times with destiny. Yeah. I enjoyed the raids we did. I think I did three or four of them. Yeah. I I think, yeah, you might've done four. I've definitely done three. I know that for sure. You did Vault of Glass and Crota in Destiny 1. Yeah, I think. we did. And then you did the Leviathan one and then the little mini Leviathan raid. So that would be four. Yeah, yeah. That, that mini one sucked, but the big ones are good. Yeah, yeah, that one was basically just a strike. That yeah. one was not very interesting, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't keep up with Destiny. It was just... No, and I mean... It's a chore, and then I f- fell behind, and now content's gone, and I'm just... I'm, I'm out, but you know... It, I, it was cool. I liked the art. I like how it felt on PC. It was one of the smoothest optimized pc shooters of all time yeah i definitely wouldn't have played quite as much uh if it wasn't on pc if it was still on ps4 and it was 30 fps at like a 50 fov and like two like literally two and a half minute load times i probably would have taken much longer down times with that game Mm -hmm, Uh, but because it's on pc and i can just click play and get everything and it feels so good and it runs so well it's it's hard to not do that sometimes let's yeah. say I just, you know, um, I just want Bungie to do something else at the same yeah, time that's fair 
Dante? Uh, you know, I, I, I would probably say I do as well because they're amazing at first-person sci-fi shooters. And, they are. And it would be great if, you know, they kept doing Destiny stuff and then we're also making some other thing. But yeah. uh, I sort of feel like sometimes they can barely keep up with Destiny, so I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they are yeah. working on something else and that's why. Uh, who knows? That would be wonderful. But uh, yeah, there we go. What are we doing? I don't remember. Are we playing some Destiny? You want to run a strike? No, uh, no I'm good. I'm busy, man. I think I'm doing something right now. Going to get Raid ready? Raid goes live in 10 days. Uh, you sure I'll be there. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. What number are we on? Four, seven? Yes, number four. Four. Uh, sorry about that. Let me just wake, wake up a bit. Sorry, I slipped. I just dozed off for a little bit there. Uh, my number four is Horizon Zero Dawn. Ah, uh, yes. Don't think we need to dive too too much deeper into this uh, this boy. But like you said, it kind of came out of nowhere. We weren't really anticipating it to be anything special. And, you know, the biggest surprise for me is that it was my favorite sci-fi world building of the generation. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was just going to be a Lost Planet thing. And I really enjoyed the combat and the world uh, a lot. It's the production values in that game are just absurd. But for me, the thing that pushed it over the edge and made it one of the most memorable and favorable games of the entire generation is learning about two worlds at the same time. Yeah. I uh, don't want to spoil it if people haven't played it. If you haven't, come on, man. What are you doing? It's on PC now. But it fills out the past of the current world uh, and also the world itself. You know, the inhabitants, the different tribes. And they just do such a phenomenal job. And like you were saying with this generation, we just, we kind of been missing some stuff when it came to great world building. And this game is very sci-fi. I didn't think it was going to be sci-fi at first. And I feel like I'm just, there's a Mass Effect void oh, yeah. in my heart when it comes Tell to... Tell me about it, man. I know. <laughs> And some games along the way have done a really good job of giving you a taster of what that yeah. was, or even a full course meal. And that is what Horizon Zero Dawn did. Uh, I was so invested in the worlds. I didn't realize it was going to go so deep in either direction. And it's so nice to be excited about one thing in a game and then realize <laughs> you enjoy five things in a game. Yes. yeah. And I think that's what summarizes Horizon Zero Dawn for me the most. It just ticked all the boxes. It was a surprise. I wasn't expecting it. And it was just one of the objectively best games of the generation. I'll say it. I'm using the O word. Fight well, me. That's what's interesting to me about Horizon is that it also feels like it has a lot of potential for improvement. Yeah, because it is like we were talking about God of War. It is quite open worldy. Well, I just mean like, well, yeah. So like the open world parts of it. I mean, it's, you know, it's basically a Ubisoft game. But there are towers, with, but yeah. the toolnecks, which are awesome. And so, outposts. Okay. Yeah, it's like a Ubisoft game, but with uh, restraint and creativity. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean more in like, you know, the traversal is is the stupid uh, magnetic... Uncharted. Like, uncharted yellow, climbing. Yeah. And this, the like writing and facial perf animations, you know, in the side content could be better. Right. And... You know, parts of it are a little tiny, tiny little bit like ooh, janky feeling, just a tiny little bit. And there were enough small sort of peripheral parts of that game that could be really substantially improved upon um, for the sequel that is really exciting. The only part that 
I don't see how they improve upon is the best part of the first game, which is the story stuff. Uh, oh. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but Again, that game like has like saying, a thousand years of history. Yeah. Like I was saying with Soma, uh, another really interesting and unique take on the apocalypse. Yes. Like apocalyptic games were so boring last generation. Oh God. Yeah. And a lot of them were this gen as well. Like, and also yeah. like Soma, you didn't even realize it had any, any elements of post-apocalyptic storytelling in it when you first started playing the game. Right. Like, oh, yeah. the world's ended in this, and I didn't realize. Again, kind of yeah. mild spoilers, but whatever. Well, I mean, that's the premise for the game, right? I just yeah. I can't can't believe how like nerdy and deep it goes into like these intricate sci-fi systems, and I was like drooling over some <laughs> yeah. of the later game stuff. And it's also a great case of intrigue. It sets up so many questions, and it answers them all so satisfyingly, except for, like maybe one. It answers so many more questions than I ever thought it was going to. Like, oh yeah. In the very beginning of that game, you know, you go into the underground uh, cave and it was like, oh, 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 they're just immediately talking about what was going on with the ancient history. And I was like, oh, that's surprising. And I remember mm-hmm. getting to the um, the big tower in the fog where you learn about Project Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah. And I figured, well, that's probably the end of what we're going to learn about, you know, in this game with the history. And then it was just like, no, no, you're going to learn everything. Uh, you like... I don't know what they do with the sequel because I don't like story wise. It felt complete. Yeah. It was like so much more. I constantly expected them to end the history, the history story stuff and be like, see you in the next game. But they never did. Uh, It was crazy. I don't think I will ever forget my first Thunderjaw fight. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before that I'm just a bit of a child when it comes to big monster fights in video games. It's just something that the tech hasn't really... uh, I don't want to say it hasn't been able to do because they were Shadow of the Colossus, but maybe they just... People haven't wanted to take on the challenge very often. There was Lost Planet when I was a kid, and I, even though those games were kind of crappy to play, I was just excited by the scale of it. And I remember seeing the Thunderjaw fight in trailers and being like, there's no way. There's no way you can shoot off a missile launcher from this dinosaur and pick it up. And it's just not happening. And it has that great uh, suspenseful moment where, again, it's just it's not a scripted story moment. It's in the environment and you see it from a distance. You're like, oh, fuck. All right, there he is. All right. I guess <laughs> I guess it's going down. And gosh, there's just so many... Amazing. Wait until you do that at like 120 FPS. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it. The it's only reason really I haven't good. gone in is because it was after Ghost of Tsushima. And I was like, I don't want to... Yeah. I was just like remembering the open worldy stuff and traveling. I was like, I need to... I'm going to come back to next year before Forbidden West, I think. Yeah, yeah. But fuck, man. Horizon Zero... And we got a day early as well, and I hate to say it, but it's kind we of... We didn't know. We got it a few days early, actually, and it was fucking sick. <laughs> like... I hate to be like a like lame journalist because they you know you can tell on Twitter when they post the pictures they 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 they're showing off like they always are yeah, oh yeah but it kind of feels kind of cool when you get a game early and you're excited about it well it yeah and, and like no one is you know the reviews aren't out yet and you're just like oh my god this game is amazing yeah <laughs> and no one no, knows yet no one knows yet <laughs> yeah that was like the was... first I think after Destiny that was the first game we got. I don't want to say substantially early, but you know, like a couple four, days four, early. Yeah, yeah. Four, four, three days. I think we got it on a Friday and it came out on Tuesday. So damn. I think, I think actually there might've been reviews that had come out. Like the, you know, the real journalists had got it like a week ago or something, but I don't, I don't think remember. so. Because I remember sure. you played it the night that we could play it. And yeah, Friday night. Yeah. We got the email. Yeah. Yeah. Go I ahead. I woke up ahead. to messages of you saying I played seven hours last night. And I remember <laughs> yeah. being like, what? Really? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I guess it's, I guess it's okay. 
Yeah, what was originally going to happen is they were going to send a boxed copy, which was like, oh, that doesn't work great, but, you know, whatever, I'll take it and see, maybe I can make a video out of it or something. And then at like 7 p.m. on Friday night, the get an email in and they're like, sorry, we're not going to be able to send you a copy. We're going to have to give you a code. Here's the code right now. It's playable right now. And I was just like, Whoa! oh, uh, oh my God. <laughs> and yeah, I installed it. And I think I went to bed for a couple of hours while it was installing. This was before I had super internet. And then I woke up at like 2 a.m. and played it until like 8 a.m. without <laughs> stopping and then played like another six hours later that day. It was great. It was yeah. It was... I think I woke up and I had to download it because I don't know. I don't know what yeah, I was doing. Yeah, you would have been asleep. Yeah, I just didn't care that much. And I was like, wait, what? He's played like eleven hours of this game already. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I did and that so... with God of War as well when it came out. I think we got it one day early, oh, and I, I installed it, and played. Actually, I was no that game. I was I played in like little chunks. Because it, it, it that game takes a while to start. But then I remember mm. Saturday and Sunday, once I was into it, I was like, <laughs> I think I beat that. I think I 100%ed that game in under a week. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you know, it's just nice to go hard every once in a while. Oh, yeah. You don't get to do that very often. Yeah, and it's nice. one nice thing about Horizon and God of War is sometimes a good game comes out and you don't, you're like apprehensive to go hard because you're like, I don't want to finish this game in two days. Yes. But when yeah. you get like a 30 to 40 hour game, you have that honeymoon period where you know you're safe. You're like, I can go hard in this game for like three days and it's still going to be here. Yeah. I love it when well, that happens. I don't know. I had that. I, I, I didn't know that with Horizon or God of War either because it was <laughs> like more so with God of War. I was like, I don't know. I don't know anything about this game. Like I don't, yeah. you know, people, but people, I think, yeah, reviews had come out and they were like, you know, it's long. It's like 30 to 50 hours. I'm like, no, it's not. Shut up. <laughs> How can it be yeah. 30 to 50 hours? And, and then, yeah, after a certain point, I think I finally realized it was like, okay, I think I can actually go hard in this and it's not going to just end on me. But I always get that anxiety when I'm really liking a game. I'm always like, I always feel guilty about going hard on it because it's, I, I don't want that first experience to end, but I also just want to keep consuming it. And it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hope, this is a really um, like miscellaneous and random, Cyberpunk. yeah, this is a really miscellaneous point, but whenever I think about mm. Horizon, I have like these perfect pictures in my head of when like I first saw the Sun City for the first time. I don't know if, I oh, interesting. Guess, if that's the correct name of that city. Yeah, the uh, 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 Meridian. Yeah, and I remember like where I was looking the first time I got to the desert area. Uh, I really like it when open world games can do large vistas well, and you get yeah. this like childish excitement because you know you're going forward to this place, and you're like, "Ooh, that's like a 50 minute walk away." I can't, you know, I'm gonna think about what yeah, it is. Yeah. And the way. <laughs> uh, Horizon makes me giddy like a child, and that's the yes. sign that I like a game. Yeah, it, it is pretty special. Yeah. God. Um. All right. My number four, then, I guess. number four, yeah. Well, speaking of pretty special open-world games with large vistas, Red Dead Redemption 2. Very nice. Um, Red Dead (laughs) is pretty magical. Yeah, The first word I have written in my notes, and I do think it is, it's sort of corny to say it, but I do think it is accurate and summarizes what is so special to me about that game. That game is kind of spiritual. It is like this ethereal, 
ungraspable shared dream world i feel like that everyone went through like that it 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 is so well that that game world doesn't feel like a game world it is i think the only world the only game i've played where the world feels like a world it is like, the most truly. realized world of all time in video games i'd say yeah and I swear there were times where I could smell that game. <laughs> Stank. I swear there were a few times I, I my brain was like, because the sound design and the visuals are so believable uh, and so thought out that it was like triggering, you know, uh, what is it? Ol- olfactory senses, right? Mm. Uh, where it's like, oh, I know what hay and horses smell like. And I swear I just smelled it. Or, like, <laughs> I swear I just smelled, like, sweet the sweetness of grass after it had rained. Yeah. And I've, like, no game has ever done that. And, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in Red Dead. Um, but the two things that make Red Dead what it is are the world and Arthur. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, there's this long story and it's got amazing moments. And, yes, there's all this, there's this whole other, like, weird game there as well right (laughs) um with dated shooting and slow ass movement but it all comes back to serving the world and arthur's walk through that world Mm -hmm. and it just is the most unique believable game experience I think that maybe has ever been done. It is yeah. really it is really Definitely. unfathomable how large and detailed that game is. Yeah. And how many little things there are in it that are done so well. Um were you gonna say something? You sounded like you were Yeah, okay, sure. Okay. I'll say something uh, now. You can hold you can hold your thought. Um <laughs> oh, my it's God. it is utterly magical red dead and when i say you know i think earlier or maybe i didn't say it, but i uh, my top five on this list are like really all these games are you know ones for the books and you know destiny's uh, for sort of different reasons but like red dead onwards these are all games that are just like uh, like spine tinglingly magical and special and yeah. red dead is it's so it was such a surprise as well because you know we like we've talked about rockstar games before and you know we i i like rockstar's games you know i liked gta 5 i liked gta 4 but they're they've i would never consider them all-time favorites i think i put gta 5 at like number 10 last gen you know Mm -hmm. and they're it's because they're sort of cynical and cold and you know they're marvels of technology but they're sort of yeah just a little cold i think and what red dead does so well that was so surprising is that it is a warm like soulful game Mm. which gaming doesn't do very often and you know there are obviously like dark cruel things in that game but the heart of it is Arthur and this world. And it is so good at being quiet and mature 
and human and no game has ever come close to to doing that and especially at the scale and magnitude that red dead does it at yeah um and arthur is the best gaming protagonist ever he he just he breaks my heart and it's that story his story and his you know his slow redemption of humanity and all these things is just it's so so good i i I did a replay over the summer and i got to the beginning of chapter six and i haven't gotten to the emotional (laughs) place where i want to finish go through chapter six yet because it you know it it is his story is genuinely truly heartbreaking in that game and no Mm -hmm. game has ever made me feel that way uh about a character and it's just yeah it has such a soul to it that i was not expecting but it but like that is what makes a great cowboy fiction so great is when it's got that special soul and red dead has that and it is just uh in yeah unfathomable is the word that comes to mind for red dead because it's just mind-boggling the scope of it and the attention to detail throughout uh and one of the things that i forgot to mention throughout this list is i love when a game is confident enough to be quiet yeah to just shut the fuck up for five minutes i'm looking at you ubisoft just (laughs) shut up and leave me alone i remember people complaining about horizons world and how there's lots of empty space and i was like that's amazing i i love that i love that i can just walk peacefully in in horizon and see you know weird uh, robo dinosaurs off in the distance and hear the nice ambient music and it's just like ah and that is red dead that is all of what Red Dead is about is just mm-hmm. just let out a deep breath and exist in yeah. the world. There are no there are no towers or collect. I mean, there are collectibles, there are side quests, right? But they're not gamified. They're, no, they're, they're very just organic. Sort of, yeah, all of those things just exist, and there is no. There is. I I still boot up Red Dead regularly, even when I'm not doing the story stuff, just to get on a horse and just ride around for a few minutes. I mean, you know, I I live in a city now as well. I grew up in the country. I am a country boy in my heart. I think peace and quiet is very soothing at times. And red dead is also just like a peace and quiet simulator as well. And Mm -hmm. I'll stop talking because it's, I mean, we talked about it for ages when we reviewed it and it was our game of the year in 2018. And it has, remained at the forefront of my mind for the two years since and it it is really truly one of a kind and i you know there'll never be anything like it ever again i don't think uh the, the oh i hope so I mean, the I amount of time <laughs> <laughs> the amount of the amount of time they spent on it the money i can't i can't even imagine how much money they spent on it and mm-hmm. i i don't know if it, if it's the last true great masterpiece masterpiece single player game from rockstar that's fine because the main writer left and you know who knows what gta 6 will be with online success i don't care because red dead will always be there and is a true one-of-a-kind masterpiece yeah so that's it 
I, uh, you know, maybe we'll come back to it. Maybe. 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 All right. I think I have one last surprise for you, mate. Oh? And I am a little bit upset that I have to kind of let this cat out of the bag because Uh probably going to reveal quite a few things about our next list. Top 10 of 2020. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, my number three of the generation is actually Half-Life Alex. Wow, yeah, okay. I had a feeling it was going to be on here somewhere. Half-Life Alex is one of the weirdest games to ever come into existence, I think. It was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was announced this year and then came out this year. I, th- I think it was announced right at the end of December of last year. Okay. So, But it was still only a three-month turnaround. So I am actually a big Half-Life fan. Uh, I played Half-Life 2 for the first time on the Xbox 360 with an actual Xbox disc. I had to get off eBay because the orange box didn't exist. A backwards compatibility Oh, wow. Jesus. And then I I replayed it on, you know, the orange box with all the uh, subsequent episodes. Uh, And then this year I played Black Mesa for the first time and I absolutely love it. There is something about the physicality of that world. The fact that you travel from A to B almost every single time on foot. It's just super immersive and tactile. I love, love Half-Life. And the thing that made Half-Life Alex so special is that I replayed the entire franchise before playing Half-Life Alex. And obviously I'm going to say that I like the game. We're going to get to that. But there was something very special about playing the entire franchise across two weeks and then putting on the headset and just being in the world. It was like nothing I've ever experienced in video games. Um, And also I'm I'm a big VR nerd. Like we don't talk about it much because unfortunately the library for VR is kind of non-existent. Yeah, but I, I really love the technology of VR. I'm a big I'm a big fanboy for VR. We've when it been exists. at the at the forefront for a while now. Yeah, and for a Half Life game to come out of nowhere <laughs> after it became Mythos, you know, after the 13 gaming, years, yeah, uh, for it to no spoilers, but for it to you know play a part in the storytelling, and for it to be for me the best VR game I've ever played, um, it was just it's. You can't even write this shit. Like, it was the most ridiculous (laughs) series of events for me. Like, just nothing happens like this. It was just ridiculous. Uh, The game itself, I really enjoyed it. I think the first couple of chapters take a little while to get going. But when it gets uh, its momentum going and it gets more confident to let the player experience these really, like, scripted and interesting scenarios and chapters, I I will never forget Spider Hotel. I will never forget Spider Hotel. <laughs> Which, uh, for people who don't know, is the Black Head Crabs. Uh, there's a specific mission in Half-Life Alex, which has a lot of them. And that's all I will say. I've I've called it Spider Hotel. They're not spiders, I know, but it's just what I've coined it. Yeah. Um, I will never forget that sequence as far as I go. <laughs> it might be the scariest thing I've experienced in years. I will say I will never get over the heartbreak of you stopping streaming it the, like at the entrance to that level. Man, I, I would have killed to have seen you squirming. It was so, it's I like just that. so annoying streaming that I game. Know, it's like I sweaty. And yeah. Just wanted, I wanted it myself. I wanted it for me. Uh, yeah, that's fair. And the ending of uh, Half-Life Alex. Did, like, just game developers... I'm not, I don't want to say they're not brave enough. A lot of them just don't really have the opportunity to do something like really wild and interesting. Yeah. But like seeing that part of like video game history in front of my eyes, like, oh my 
God, it was just it's so special to me. Uh, Half-Life Alex is one of a kind, came out of nowhere, and it's just, I just think it's brilliant. And it makes me maybe optimistic for the future of VR <laughs> that might be naive because yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know. But if that's like the last good VR game we ever get, then hey, not bad. Not a bad <laughs> way to end it. The first and last. <laughs> so yeah, slight, you know, slight deduction spoiler for my 2020 list. But, you know, we've got one last game that can uh, give it a swing. So we'll have to see sure. how that goes. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah Half-Life Alex very special for different reasons. You know, most games are just, it's a good game and I liked it. But this had a lot of other elements going on that made it like a roller coaster ride. And it was very magical and unique. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Half-Life Alex is a tremendous, tremendous game and experience. And, uh, yeah, it takes a little too long to get going. And I think the combat you know could have been more interesting but as an experience yeah. especially as like a you know we don't get a lot of 10 hour linear experiences anymore either mm -hmm. and uh it was it was the best one of those in a very long time uh, it also felt like my first ever proper vr experience because every other vr before it's not just the fact that the format hasn't like there's not many full games in vr I just feel like not many companies have figured out how to make full motion work for most people. I do get a little nauseous and motion sick. So whenever I'm playing a game with full motion, I do usually use the teleportation. And I think I did for the first few hours of Alex. And then just, I was like, all right, I'll give full motion a go. And I was like, oh, I feel fine. It works. Interesting. Yeah. It's like I got to like finally, because I don't have room scale, you know, I can't like physically move around the room. So I don't usually get like this proper stuff. And it felt like my first proper vr experience and it, it was yeah. just like everything went right for that game for me it was just great i look forward to winning the lottery buying a house and then finally being able to afford a vive and mm -hmm. playing it with the crazy hand tracking and in a yeah. giant padded room <laughs> i want to run across the entire room sprinting yes yes yeah One day. Uh, yeah it's a it's a hell of a game and uh, yeah i love when a game uh can just announce itself and then come out three months later mm -hmm. uh, no delay you know uh and then i cannot believe they made a friggin new half-life game after yeah, 13 right. years and that it's good and that it also d does good stuff for the story and it's vr only what the it hell it made me care about the half-life story which maybe that's not a good thing <laughs> um uh, yeah crazy <laughs> i can't believe it and it was a great reminder of like oh yeah valve yeah. That was one of the things that was missing this gen because Portal 2, one of the greatest games of all time, that was the last mainstream game they made nine yeah. years ago. And like, they really, uh, like, they have something. They have, like, this yeah. fun, magical secret Oh, yeah. Alex was a reminder that... Alex was proof that they still have it. Yes. Because, you know, it was hard to know that they did because it been, it's been Dota for so long. And, and then they were like, nah, we still got it. Haha. <laughs> See you in nine years. <laughs> See you in nine years, yeah. For Portal 3 um, <gasps> yeah. in VR where you, with, with a vomit bucket included. Um, yes, give it to me. Yeah, great, excellent, yeah. Half-Life Alex is a hell of a game, hell of a yeah. game. All um, right. I'm very curious what your remaining two games are. I okay. can think of one of them, mm -hmm. but I cannot think of... I'm sure when you say it, I'll be like, oh, of course. Yeah. Um, it's going to be DMC5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number three is Outer Wilds. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I'm 
Sure, we'll talk about it in a moment yeah. or two or 20 or 50. Um, Outer Wilds. God. What a game. What a game. I have my note here written. I will read it verbatim. I have not a lot of notes for this one, but I will read this one because I think it summarizes probably how we both feel. Simply put, one of the greatest games of all time. Oh. Utterly extraordinary, uniquely video gamey. It is profound. It is moving. It is puzzling. It is confounding. And it is revelatory. Oh, what a game! Beautiful man. <laughs> I love the. I love those words. Um, the visuals, music, story, sci-fi writing, the moments of euphoria, of discovery, the oh. horror of dark bramble uh <laughs> some of the puzzles that 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 little puzzle tower on uh, yeah. uh, uh giant's deep which is just like five little rooms where you're you're taking pictures and quantum quantum entangling things to stay where they are i was like i remember we said it like i'd play a whole game of that a puzzle game yeah. of that and it's just this I, little um, whoop. i think i said this about Obra din but i actively look for people who are playing Outer Wilds for the first time, and I get so excited. Yeah. And there's a couple of streamers, a variety of streamers that I watch that have like just like off the cuff mentioned like, oh, Outer Wilds, I you know, I heard good things about it, and I'm like, I'm anticipating their playthroughs like more than actual game. Then you're like donating, be like, play Outer Wilds, play Outer Wilds. <laughs> you, yeah, you just you know, when it comes to streamers, you can't, you just gotta let it happen. It yeah, happen. yeah, yeah. Oh, I love watching people play that game for the first time. So anyway, yeah. Going. It was, um, it's a pretty special game, and mm. I think there could be good arguments made for, from me to myself for it being number one, or number two, or like, this is, the, the top five was tough for me, the top four mm-hmm. especially here, one, two, three, four, like, they are such good games, and Outer Wilds is, uh, it is like take your breath away this is some this is stuff that only gaming can do and it's doing all of it so well um i don't have a lot to say about it because i did a review for it last year and we talked about it for like an hour and a half or we talked about it for a long time and we will yeah. i'm sure talk about it again in a few minutes um i i Two things, one short one. I think it has the. My, I think it might have my favorite game ending of all time. Ooh, yeah. I think it might be a perfect ending. And do it, in the span of five minutes, it does more than most sci-fi fiction ever hopes to do, <laughs> um, which is pretty impressive. I would say my biggest note here, which is my last big point, which is the part of it that is most special to me is the various emotional impacts it can have. I think it captures uh, the feelings of life and the universe uh, in amazing ways. Mm. It captures how horrifying and like completely unfathomable the universe is uh, and how scary parts of it is it captures the same things this the same sort of horror and mystery and unfathomableness of life yeah because that's what that game is ultimately about it also on the other side of the coin captures all of the marvel and beauty 
of the universe and of life. It is a reminder that like the power of family and friends and that they're eternal, you know, you are in a way sort of immortal regardless uh, of when you, you die because everybody will have these things. Right. And it's just like, uh, it's, it's, it's baffling that a game can cover so much of the human existence. <laughs> uh, the, it, it, it captures the feeling and the fact that uh, everyone is wandering and wondering. And one day you won't be. And that uh, is okay. Nice. Uh, and I've never played a game that was able to capture so many different pieces of emotion and existential thoughts and grand it, it is like so grand in its thinking and yet also so just like down to earth homey you know simple wooden spaceship we're all just <laughs> yeah. we're just a couple of couple of kids in the universe doing our thing and that is just it's amazing it is and that's uh, simply like amazing one of the good parts of it uh, yes exactly that that is the part though that uh stands out most to me i would say is is that part of it but yeah that is only <laughs> one of the many good pieces of that game so um mm -hmm. yeah it's pretty extraordinary pretty extraordinary it's one of those games that i wish everyone could play uh you know People that don't play games would struggle a lot with it because there's there's a lot of hard video gamey stuff in that game just in terms of movement and thinking. Right, right. But I wish everyone could experience the journey of Outer Wilds because it is yeah, just it's like transcendental almost. It's just <laughs> incredible. It's yeah. A, an incredible game. You're a poet, man. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I am a um, bit surprised you've said that you don't know my last two games. I'm probably just blanking on them, honestly. Really? Probably. Yeah. I, as soon as you say them, I'm probably just going to be like, oh, of course. Oh, wait. Yeah, I guess I can do the math now, right? Yeah, okay. I just got it. My I number got, two uh, for the generation. This is the drum roll, by the way. You can't hear it, but there's a drum roll. Mm -hmm. I can hear rain, I think, in the background. <laughs> that is rain. Yeah, sorry about that, Jameson. That's your audio to deal with. It is, it is the winter, basically, now of England, so sorry about that. My number two is Red Dead Redemption 2. Right, yes. That's why I said I just did the math, and I was like, oh yeah, right. I don't know if we need to say more about Red Dead Redemption 2. You did it well. Um, but what I really like as a nerd, I just get so infatuated by games when they give us a glimpse into the future. I think on our last top 10 of the generation, I put Uncharted 2 really high up. And the thing I remember most about Uncharted 2 is feeling like it was from the future. And Red Dead Redemption 2 is the only game since Uncharted 2 to give me that feeling. Where I was like, this is the most alive game that's ever been created. And this is a look forward at what open world games could be and hopefully will be. And it's just <laughs> yeah. a game that just, I like it when games come out that seem impossible. And, you know, for most people, this game is impossible. Like, you can't make something like this, unfortunately. Rockstar oh, have yeah. insane resources, so kind of harsh to say that because we probably, like you said, won't see another game like this. 
Um, and also, I just didn't expect it to be so slow, quiet, and con contemplative. Mm -hmm. uh, I absolutely love the speed that this game runs at. And it was, like, for a triple A, one of the biggest games of the entire generation, yeah. Rockstar yeah. Games, to come out and make a game with, like, a... Like, they, they knew this pace was going to be off-putting for so many people, but they just wanted to make a slice of life. Yeah. And that's what they did. Like, there's nothing that grandiose about the story in Red Dead Redemption 2 either. It's just a chunk of a group of people just trying to get by in a changing world. And there's some, like, really cool moments in it, some big cinematic missions. But, like, the overarching story is just kind of a chunk of a couple of people's lives. Uh, and I just loved every moment I was in it. And it was even better to come back on PC and see it, like, fully realized. Uh, as a tech nerd and a video game nerd, it is just... It's just a sight to behold this game, uh, almost overwhelming at times. It makes me giddy and nerdy for the future. And I was way more invested in the story of the gang than I thought I was going to be. Yeah. And it's just something you can go back to and just plod around in and just take it really slow. Like when I came back to my PC playthrough, I didn't think I would spend another 10 hours in Valentine because I've, I've seen the entire game. I've gone past it. And, you know, I, I just, I think I've got like 30 hours in the PC playthrough and I'm on chapter two. And I'm in no right. rush to get to like Saint, Saint, Saint Denis? Yeah, Saint Denis, yeah. I'm just enjoying taking it slow because, you know, when I first played it, I was excited about the story and I wanted to get through it and, you know, yeah. the zeitgeist. And uh, now I'm just every now and then just plodding in and just living in the world. And no other game makes me feel like I'm like living in the world. This game kind of breaks the smoke and mirrors. Like I know they're there, but I don't see them. Yeah. And I know about the tech of video games. I'm a dork. I know about that stuff. And uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, like, tricks me. It's like virtual reality. And, like, you yeah. know. One of the things I, I forgot to mention, it, it tricks me so thoroughly, and I get so invested in it that, like, I... It causes actual, like, role-playing of Arthur in a way that no other game does for me, where it's just like, <laughs> oh, it's raining. Like, put a coat on. Yeah. You know? Oh, that was a depressing mission. Let's go like drink and have a bath yes. and like hide in a hotel, yeah. you know? Oh, I just uh, got kidnapped by what's, you know, the o o o Driscoll's and mm -hmm. almost died. And I'm just going to go away into the wilderness for like four days straight, yeah. you know, and just, and I, I don't and do that in games. I don't, I don't no, do that. no. I do that like a little bit, you know, a little bit, but um, that was something that I sort of learned this gen is that I prefer games where I'm I'm more role playing a character like Shepard, you know, or yeah. Arthur. Um, but it's always so basic. Whereas this game is like no, I, and but that's the interesting thing as well. You're you you never are choosing dialogue or anything, but you're so compelled to play as this character, even though it is he is like largely out of your control as well. Mm -hmm. uh, just because he's so well realized and the world around him is so well realized it's it's yeah it's crazy what a crazy game yeah it's it's just ridiculous and like the amount of stuff in it the amount of bang for your buck the length of the story it's just it's just ridiculous it's almost like a bit too much <laughs> yeah when you play the epilogue you're like jesus christ rockstar like well it yeah it, a, it raises the it. it raises the bar so high that it's like unreachable now because like no one's gonna spend eight years making like the most expensive meticulous plotting open world game I've ever made yeah and I don't know you know I don't know maybe uh, I will say like cyberpunk's world certainly looks like nothing else before but you know that I that 
I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever see But who knows? Maybe GTA 6 will be similarly baffling in its yeah. complexity and scope. And I think Cyberpunk will be different. Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's the most realized, immersive game world I've ever set foot in. And that, to me, you know, that, that goes a long way. Uh, I absolutely love the story, characters, writing, voice actors, music, game stunning. It's just, it's ridiculous, man. It's illegal. That game's illegal. Yeah, it is. It is. It does feel like an illegal game. Uh, uh, <laughs> it is nice to have that every once in a while. We're just I like, gu- yeah. I guess we got lucky to have the personalities that click with the slow, immersive pace. I know it was off-putting yeah. for a lot of people. Uh, but I wish that game was more immersive. That might be my only complaint. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, I wish it was more penalizing for not eating and sleeping and bathing, you know? And, uh, you know, make, there's, make there's Arthur m- poop. Yeah, why not? I know there's complaints <laughs> about uh, Rockstar uh, mission design. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But uh, I, I don't know. I just, I guess, because I'm a bit of an old school, attached to the old ways, it didn't really bother me that much. I, I agree that I would like to see their next game push. Uh, you know, flexibility in uh, how you approach missions forward. That'd be nice. But I don't know, because it was so role-playing and immersive, it kind of didn't, it just didn't didn't bother me. It just didn't, didn't get to me. I mean, that game as a whole is just, it's got a lot of weird problems that you either, it, make, it makes you either hate the game or you just don't even see them as problems, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, where I, you know, I I don't see them, they don't, bother me the slow ass movement speed doesn't bother me the shooting doesn't bother me the mission design doesn't bother me so uh I th- yeah i'm just trying to think what your last two games are. i know one of them mm. i reckon i've missed one. Oh yes i think i know both of them wow mm. yeah, yeah i think i do mm-hmm. the order should i, sh- hmm. should I yeah. go to number two then yeah i'm good all right <clears throat> my number two is the witness Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is lining up. This is lining up. It yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think for um for Oberdin, I said this was one of the most unique games ever made. I think Outer Wilds is that way as well. And I think The Witness is one of the most unique and weird and well-designed games ever mm, made. Meticulous. Um, yes. The layout, the density, the placement, the the puzzle design... Um, like the diversity of the puzzle design, the way it builds, um, the, the sight lines of just like seeing, you know, oh, there's that over there or, oh, this tree has three apples in it or, or here's this interesting perspective puzzle or not even puzzle, but just a perspective Easter egg that they've put in the island where if you stand somewhere, you get, you know, yeah, this lady lying down in the forest and, It is so clearly a game that they spent nearly eight years working on. Same with the Outer Wilds and Red Dead, you know. Like yeah. and God of War each... to an extent. And God of War, yeah. But The Witness, you just... It is so clearly like they just have refined it and refined it for so long. It's like they finished um, it two years before it came out and kept going. No, no. I, I, honest, I remember Giant Bomb went to Jonathan Blow's apartment in Mm -hmm. san francisco in i think it was early 2011 it might have even been 2010 though and they played the witness and it was all programmer art and then i remember him saying years later that the final game 
is pretty much exactly what they played eight years prior. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, obviously, like, the number of puzzles expanded dramatically and the layout yeah. of everything and all the art and all these things. But, like, the co- all of the core principles were there from day one. And then they just kept refining. And you can follow, I think he, he put up blogs or one of the people that worked on the game put blogs, uh, development blogs up. And they were... You know, you see pictures from like 2012, 2013, and you're like, oh, that's the witness. That's the island right there. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and then it wouldn't come out for another four years. <laughs> um, but yes, why is that? Why is it on? The, this is what I, what I had to think of is why is it above Outer Wilds? Okay. And the reason it's above Outer Wilds is Outer Wilds is a game that I can replay and still get a lot of the great things from it a second time through. Obviously there's a lot of uh, a sense of discovery and revelation and all these things with Outer Wilds that you, you will never get again, but I can still replay it and get quite a few of the best sensations from it repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Whereas the witness is, I can never recapture that. I can never play the witness again Yeah, and have the same sense of epiphany and revelation that like, like spine tingling revelation that that game gave. Uh, It is the only game I think I've ever played that I can never, ever recapture the best parts of it ever again. Like, you know, I feel like surprise and things like that. Sure. Yeah. Obviously you can't recapture those, but so much of the fun, like every time Jonathan Blow talked about the game, he's like, epiphany. How do I make a game about epiphany and going, yeah. aha. And I love when a game makes you go, oh shit. Yeah, and the too. witness is entirely built around that. And those oh shit moments can never, ever be recaptured. Because I remember all of them. Like yeah. I know the gimmicks for all of those puzzles. And it's still a fun game to boot up and play. Just to do the puzzles because the puzzles are so, so enjoyable. But there are so many parts of it that are just, just like, the the revelation is so powerful. I remember the little orchard and being yeah. like, what's, and then I look up at the tree and it's the three apples. And I'm like, oh my God, it's the trees. <laughs> and then I remember, you know, getting to um, um, the courtyard in the castle and it's that maze. And you're like, what am I doing here? Oh, yeah, it took me ages. And then... I hear the answer because the the gravel pathway determines the path of the puzzle. Spoilers. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I, holy shit. And then I remember standing on the, on the turret or whatever they're called. I remember we looked it up of a castle, you know, um, looking down and on the, at the pathway and seeing the thing for the first time mm-hmm. and clicking on it. And it was like, I, it is, that was the most genuinely mind-blowing thing I think I've ever seen in a game. <laughs> it, it was just like, I, a game has never gone, like, made, like, recontextualized itself like that before. Where it's just yeah. like, oh, you're thinking, you have to think inside the box all the time. And then it's like, no, no, you have to think outside the box. I'm like, oh, cool, that's a good gimmick. And then it's like, no, no, there are no boxes. <laughs> you are the box. <laughs> and it was like, what? <laughs> What? That game just has a tr- such an incredible sense of I uh, my favorite sensation in of all time in a game is when I wonder 
what it could possibly do next, where I feel like it could do anything next, where I'm just like, I have no idea what this game is going to do next, but I know it's going to do something. And you get to the next thing, and you're like, what the fuck? I would have never, what, what are they going to do after this? And that the witness has that like five, six, eight times when you first, I mean, for every puzzle type, it kind of has that, right? For the five mm. or so puzzle types that have that specific revelatory moment. But then there are also all these little things like when you first get under the windmill and you solve the puzzle and then a full motion human being video starts playing. And you're like, <laughs> what? what is happening? And then, you know, spoilers for the witness here. Uh, I mean, I, I only learned like 45 hours later that there are puzzles integrated into those videos yeah. that you miss because the videos are, their videos are, their videos. So they move and the puzzles disappear. And it's like, what the fuck? And then, I remember uh, the 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 crazy weird FMV secret credits ending that you could find. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Jonathan Blow wakes up and he's got like this weird device strapped to his head and there's like a jar of his piss sitting beside him and he's just walking <laughs> around touching everything and and running his oh, fingers oh, doing so puzzles. Good. And I'm like and I mean that game did that. I remember for like months afterwards seeing witness <sighs> line puzzles yeah. everywhere, you know, in between the bricks. It. I still see them as well. And and you know, and then of course the great you know secret of that game that I won't spoil that, and um, just beating the game, and then thinking and doing the weird like Willy Wonka ride, and be like, okay, great, and then discovering the whole like secret underground layer of oh, the mountain. So good, yeah. And then there's of course the challenge, which oh, I think is. Challenge. I mean the. Outer Wilds has the best ending, but the challenge is like the best finale. Yes. It's like the best, it's like the, I, re, I remember calling it in 2016, the best boss fight of the gen. And you were yeah. the way it iffy on so that. When you realize the rule is broken, you're like, oh my God, no way. But it's just like, it is a culmination of every single thing you've learned and yeah. done. And just even the choices of music, like the fact that the first one is okay and it gets a little faster. And then the next one is the Hall of the Mountain King, which is, you know, the classic start slow and at a blazing speed hysteria. And it is, it, it gets you so stressed out near the end of it. And um, it made me, and then you, what you mentioned, you talked about the sensation of discovering with, with others. That was the, mm-hmm. I think that's the game that has, we have spent the most time discovering together and discussing, I feel like, because it was yeah. like two weeks of back and forth and, you know, have you seen this? Have you done that? Been here, you know, and that really elevates it a lot when you're yeah, discovering definitely. it with other people. Um, it made me feel like a crazy person. I, I still have my notes somewhere that I would scribble <laughs> down. I still have all the pictures on my phone where I would take a picture of the puzzle and you like rotate my phone to be like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, it was like... Do you remember you know, that I wouldn't use notes? I refused. <laughs> yeah, that was... I'd, oh, was I just so remembered hard. something. The witness notes also saved my Wii U and PC and probably my whole house from burning down because I, yeah. I knocked over my huge jar of water that I always keep on my desk. And what intercepted the path of water as it was going right towards the power bar? <laughs> Your notepad. My stack of witness notes, <laughs> 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 which wow. I still have, and they're all wrinkled from the water. What does it mean? Um, and then... 
the I, I also wanted to mention there's a reward when you beat the challenge you get one final video um which is a 55 minute long it's actually a, a gdc talk from uh 2004 or something from a, an early like atari era game designer where he's talking about easter eggs is how it starts and it transitions into a discussion about it's a weird one but it's a discussion about secrets and keeping them to yourself and or keeping things some things to yourself you know keeping some things that are just like these that that moment that little that little you know perfect sunrise or whatever that one's just for me i'm not going to take a picture i'm just going to remember that one and then it's also about knowing when to walk away and stop like hyper examining a game mm. and on the uh, par- part of the reason I really like it is because it is a message to everyone playing the witness to say if you are hearing this you've seen it all yeah because if you the beat game's the challenge they're going to tell you when you've done everything right wasn't exactly it? like I'm I'm I think I have done every oh no I know I haven't actually there are probably quite a few of the other puzzles that I haven't yeah. done. Um, but there was so much like, cause braid was so like hyper analyzed and examined for secrets and hidden meanings. And then th- here's this super complicated, mysterious game that eventually tells you, you should just stop looking because mm-hmm. you've got everything you need from it. And I, that it's a small note in the long note of many things that I like about the witness, but it's a really good, talk that i really like a lot and then the last point is that it um it is uh very heavily inspired by mist mm. um you know he basically said he wanted to make mist but good which is fair because mist is you know it's not a great video game nowadays it's it's a pixel hunting 1992 video game so shocker it hasn't aged very well <laughs> um but mist is um it so because of it being so reminiscent of Mist, with that mystery and exploration and an island and wanting to know more and all these sort of contraptions. The Witness doesn't have contraptions that you really interact with. They're sort of just peripheral, like the laser beams and the the like draw bridges and stuff like that. But it because it's tapping into Witness nostalgia, it's tapping into that very specific formative uh, nostalgia with games that... Uh, a lot of people get with you know things like uh, uh, N- Nintendo games, right? Yeah. You, these are games you grew up with. I I grew up playing very specific weird things, and Mist was like the first one that I, I is like vivid in my brain. And it was the f- so the Witness was the first time that I've had nostalgia for that one of those formative early games uh, because they're weird and specific, you know, outside of. I wasn't playing Zelda and Mario. I was playing Myst <laughs> with my dad's notebook from when he played yeah, Myst. Explains um, a lot. Explains a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that. That's the witness. It's it's. Oh, I also forgot to say it's like the best puzzle game of the generation. Also, like the puzzles are amazing. Yeah, they're 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 extremely difficult and varied and satisfying and you know people spent so many years leading up to it saying like, why aren't they just releasing it as like a $2 iOS game, you know, where every, you just go from panel to panel. And, uh, they did such a good job of answering that question, you know, uh, of, yeah, the panels are only half of the game, but the 
those puzzles are so much fun. And I, I look forward to capturing footage of it because I haven't played it for a while. And it's just, I know all the secrets, but it's just fun to, to, to solve those puzzles. They're just great brain busters. I've gone back to it quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the witness, uh, is, is one of, it it might be the most, I don't know. It's one of the most memorable of the, of all, of all time. Probably it's just, it's so singular and weird and creative and, and well executed. So, all right, it's time for number ones. All right, baby. Finally, we're not going to line up on a number one. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. I think you know by now, Jameson. I do. My number one of the entire generation is The Outer Wilds. And I am very glad you took it first and got the more profound (laughs) stuff out of the way. Because it is uh, almost 11 o'clock at night for me and we've been recording for three hours and I edited all day. So I am a little bit frazzled. So (laughs) I probably will completely fail to put into words everything that works so well with me when it comes to The Outer Wilds. But luckily, we did a long talk uh, on it in 2019. So if you want to listen to us talk about The Outer Wilds for an hour, I think you should go watch our top 10 games of 2019 because I still think there's a lot of people that haven't been sold on it because it started on the Epic Store. I think it's on Steam now. Yeah, it's on Steam. It's on P- It's on everything now. PS4, Xbox, Steam. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand why developers go for the nice safety net of the Epic Store, but it does mean that, you know, it goes over or under people's radars, however you want to say it. Uh, but this game is kind of a giant cocktail of everything else on my list in certain regards. I think it takes... The discovery aspects that I love about Obra Dinn and The Witness. Uh, and it puts it in a context that I'm really, really into. I obviously don't bring it up, but I love... I just love astrophysics and quantum science. I'm one of those dorks who will follow the YouTube science channels and listen to them, put them in layman's terms for dumb idiots like me who didn't, you know, do degrees in science but still want to learn about elements of the universe. And The Outer Wilds is the first game that's ever taken stuff like the superposition of quantum mechanics and black and white holes and incorporated it into gameplay and discovery and puzzles. Uh, This is the best space game ever made, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, for years, people have been trying to create simulations of gravity and, uh, you know, gravitational... uh, Whatever you... What do you call it when uh, a a planet goes around another planet? (laughs) gravity <laughs> orbits orbits there you go orbits, orbits. sorry yeah, it's yeah. almost midnight give me yeah, give me yeah. a break <laughs> like no i think we talked about it in our uh, best of video but no man's sky it gave it a good swing but it no man's sky still felt like there was a little bit of smoke and mirrors with oh yeah uh, you know rendering and which is fair enough they are full-scale planets uh but the outer wilds just solves the issue by making you know, making the planet small enough that whatever, you know, the consoles and computers can just keep them loaded in to a certain degree, I expect. And the seamlessness of the space and the solar system is something that I'd never seen before. It's like a fun physical marvel when it comes to space simulation. Uh, And just one of the best puzzle discovery games. And with like elements of Horizon Zero Dawn storytelling, where again, there's a a, a dead race and you get to learn uh, their travels and their downfall and their history, but you also learn about your race at the same time. 
This game just like, it just does everything that I've complimented for this entire long podcast and just puts it in this just delightful little package which just came out of nowhere again. Like we keep talking about these games that come out of nowhere. But I just remember a little video of the Outer Wilds. It was from Giants Deep seeing the tornadoes. Yeah, yeah. From like years ago, right? Yeah. Three or four years ago, yeah. But like this is the gen of the indie games. They just, they come and go. And a lot of them are, you know, they're just very pretty. uh, And a lot of them, just not to be rude, aren't the most substantial. No. And for this game to just kind of sneak up, come out of nowhere and be... Uh, one of the best games I've ever played in my entire life was just the best part of this entire generation. Yeah. I was just going to say, don't you love when your favorite game of the generation just sneaks out of nowhere? Just, yeah. Just comes it's, out it's, on a on a Tuesday in May. And it's beautiful. And you have no idea it existed until that moment. <laughs> yeah, I think I was talking about it with someone on stream the other day where, like, I like AAA games, I like consoles, but there's something a bit special about not having a release day with a pin in it. For, you know, a game to come out out of nowhere and just be like, hmm, uh, all right, I'll give this a go. And there's just nothing quite like it. And I think that's why, uh, I don't know when the next time we'll do one of these, but <laughs> I feel like if you go for our top 10 games of the year, you know, obviously there's outliers with amazing AAA games like Red Dead, which just surpassed the bar for that year. But a lot of the time, it's just, there's something very special about having no expectations and having your mind be blown. And the Outer Worlds, I think you said it about um, Obra Dinn. It just felt like this game was made for me. Yeah. Like, just for me. I know it's not, but it's just like a mind-bending space simulation, exploration, sci-fi, discovery puzzle game with sci-fi writing and storytelling. It's like when you're a kid and you, you, you're in school and you're bored and in a notepad you write down everything you want in a game and you try and come up <laughs> with it. And it's like someone made it. And they absolutely nailed it as well. Like, we could, just, we could just talk about this game forever. Like, the fact that you can somehow go to any planet and in any order and it still works. I don't know how they, like, took on this game. Like, this really fun behind the scenes about how everything in this game is moving at all times. There's no, like, simulation where you get on the planet and it stops moving it because you're on it. It's like, no. The entire universe in this game is spinning around and it's just... It's fucking crazy. This game's crazy. It has the best Eureka moments for me. Um, you know, obviously, The Witness and Oberdin come very close. But for me, the context of it being space coming out of nowhere, um, just nothing comes close. Maybe that's not true, but Outer Wilds is the best game of the generation for me. Uh, it's just a perfect Joe game. And if I could if I could choose another game to be created, it would probably just be Outer Wilds again. <laughs> <laughs> just wipe your brain. Oh, I'd love to, man. I'd love to. I it's know. a very um I feel like we we gush a lot about the Outer Wilds and I sometimes get nervous we might, you know, uh maybe make people's expectations for the game a little bit too much. I just want to say it is biased. It's a very biased pick depending on my very personal uh enjoyments in video games. Yeah. And I mean I share those as well, which is why <laughs> I also put it so high, because I yeah, I, I love space and oh, yeah. space is horribly underutilized uh and even in something like mass effect you know eh, it's not really a space game that's mm-hmm. a that's a sci-fi it's a space opera that's yeah. uh, you know this is space <laughs> yeah you're not it's not a cutscene where you appear on a planet which is just a setting it's a stationary place like you're in space here 
Yeah. Gravity. And you can, everything you can see, you can go to, and it's all orbiting. and The physics yeah. oh. of space are in play at all times. And the best part of the game sometimes is when you forget that. And then <laughs> yeah. just gravity comes and rips your ship away or... <laughs> You're on the ice thing and it melts. Oh, man. Oh. But every time, every time I'd land, uh, I don't remember where it was. I don't know if I was landing on the glacier or one of the little planets. And then I think it was the glacier, but it would get too cl- It would, you know, it, it on its orbit, it would like fly by Giant's Deep or something. And the yeah. orbit or the gravity of Giant's Deep would pick it up off of the comet. And I would come back and it'd be gone. And I'd be like, oh, fuck gravity. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Oh, it's just amazing. And all of the planets are so unique and deep as well. There's so much going on. Like, these planets are not that small, and there's not a lot of wasted space in this game. Oh, God, no, yeah. There's so much personality. It's so, like, intricately designed, but free-flowing at the same time. And you did the profound stuff in your talk, so I won't try and go into that stuff. But it just does some really, really great stuff with video game storytelling without the need of cutscenes and, you know, lots of written dialogue. Uh, it tackles like the feelings of space from awe to terror to just like the empty void and feeling just like you're drowning in an ocean. It's just fucking amazing. Uh, for more like, just like, if you're interested at all, maybe watch the best of talk where I'm not like a little bit sleepy and where we, we spend a lot of time going into the, the, the details of why that game is just so amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, spectacular. I love it. But like when you think of the generations like that, the sequel to my Halo 3 pick was a game that just came out of nowhere. Of yeah. the entire generation. Yep. Oh. It's just a little space-faring indie game. The little game that could. Oh, yeah. There's That's a few, what I love yeah. about video games. Yeah. I like the three. I like Outer, Outer Wilds, Witness, and Return of the Overdinner. Dinner. all feel like it's just like, here's the little game that could. And mm-hmm. wow. Um... All right. All right. See us off. The time has come. My game of the generation, numero uno, number one, is the one and only The Witcher 3. Hey, yeah. Um, I wrote, like, it was tricky. So I was writing notes, and I, I wrote quite a few notes, but I, I struggled to write notes. And the reason I struggled, which is which is, it was the final note I wrote, is that, like, I think I, I've articulated well why I like all these other games on this list, and I, I worry I won't for The Witcher 3, and that's because uh, The Witcher 3, to me, has always been Game of the Generation. It, like, mm-hmm. just simply is the Game of the Gen for me, and always has been. From the, like, six hours in... Every day since, every week, every month since, every time the idea of a generation thing has come up, I'm just like, it's The Witcher 3. That's just it. Like, there's no question to me. And so now I have to figure out why. And (laughs) it's tricky, I think, to fully articulate. Um, But I'll try. So I think it's the greatest gaming journey it's my favorite gaming journey for sure in terms of story uh just from you know like i from the quiet opening hours at the care morhen and then into white orchard and then you finally get out and then it's this long like this crazy long journey into the fi- the big finale 
and then the quiet ending and then you go into blood and wine and you get this really great send off at the end of that it just feels like such an epic that's what it feels like it's an mm-hmm. epic yeah um and in the i i wrote it it's like the lord of the rings of the film lord of the rings of games for me in that it is this epic journey with these wonderful characters in this wonderful world that is like the the king of all the fallbacks it's like anytime i want to watch a great movie it's just like why do i you know it's time to rewatch Lord of the Rings yeah. because it's like the best movie ever made or the best, you know, it's three movies ever made best journey. And the Witcher is the same way where it's just like every time I, you know, would uh, go through like a uh, post good game depression, you know, when it's like, ah, <laughs> yeah. God of War is over. <laughs> Fuck. Now what do I do? Three months of nothing. Well, I guess I'll just go play, you know, 20 or 30 hours of the Witcher three uh, over the course of a month or two. And that has persisted. Like I said about God of War, where as soon as I finished it, I wanted to replay it, and I want to replay it now after having replayed it three times. The Witcher is a colossal game. My first playthrough was 175 hours. to That includes the DLCs. Nice. And I now have uh, something like 380 hours or so in it. Jeez. And I, I've, I spent, I think it was three years poking away at a replay of it, just sort of coming and going um, every six months or so for chunks of time. And I finished that earlier this year. And immediately I want to go on the journey again because it's so pleasant. It's so, it's such a pleasure. I've, I've been reading the Witcher. I finally read the Witcher books and I'm almost finished all of them. And that has made me want to replay them even more because now I have a better understanding of like all the history these characters have with each other. Mm. Um, I think similar to Red Dead, in, in, where the heart of the game is in the main character, The Witcher is that way as well, in that Geralt is a, a far better protagonist than he has any right to be, I think. He, <laughs> yeah. is, he is, you know, he's a... Uh, an asshole he can be and he can do a lot of nasty shit but like when at the end of the day and this is true for the books as well and it's a testament to how well the game captures it he is like at the end of the day an extremely good-hearted main character that is just has like a really good soul that is like tired and exhausted by a lot of the horror horrible shit in the world and just goes around being like, oh, fine, I'll help. Um, yeah, and not, not a bad Geralt, by the way. <laughs> that's yeah. That, I had three and a half hours of talking needed for a, <laughs> a, a raspy fine uh, from Geralt. Um, so I think Geralt really propels a lot of the story stuff in that game because his reactions to things is so different from what you would expect from like a gruff, buff monster slayer you know yeah you're like deadpan confidence that's like really kind of uh i lost it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, charismatic that's the one he is he's very charismatic and so like the more the more i like especially in it helped i sort of realized that from reading the book somewhat as well especially the there's a couple of short stories that i that were in the first two books that i read you know a few years ago where they it really captures the spirit of the Witcher, which is like the game, the the books have a wonderful sense of just like here's life, 
and it's weird and there's like a lot of horrible shit but there's also like these wonderful little moments and there's yeah. comedy and there's friends and family and you know like time wasting bullshit and yeah. uh, grand things and tiny things and the games the, the Witcher 3 captures all of that uh there are all these wonderful complicated stories uh with all these flawed people um there's this you know the main cast is this weird like dysfunctional family uh and they all the sheer quantity and quality of of story stuff is is untouched this gen Mm -hmm. story is why i'm there for games it's what i want most like you will never i won't talk about the gameplay of the witcher 3 at any point in this because it's it's fine it's it's it doesn't get in the way yeah. I've always thought it was perfectly fine. Um, it's, but that's not why I'm there. It's not like Doom. It's not like a Mario game. I'm not there for the for the gameplay. It's it's the world and the story. And I, it was one of my favorite. It was definitely one of the best experiences first time through as well. Because I, you know, you mentioned seven hours ago when we started about uh, not binging games, and I, I'm very much that way as well. I, it's hard for me to play a game for more than you know two hours at a time or something. Uh, but The Witcher 3, when it came out, which at the time was also like the most excited I've ever been for something, and it was nice to not <laughs> be disappointed, yeah. um, and in fact be completely blown away. Uh, but I remember I would play that game, I, I'd play it from like 9pm until probably 3am uh, for like two weeks straight. <laughs> nice. Uh, and it was it was amazing. And I very, very fondly remember being completely overwhelmed by the scale of it. I remember spending, you know, 10, 12 hours in white orchard and then getting into Velen into the main open world and opening the map and just being like, Oh my God. And just (laughs) being completely overwhelmed by the size of the world and how many quests there were. And then 50 hours later, when I got to Skellige, I felt that way again, where I got to Skellige and I was like, wait, this is an entire second zone that is almost as big oh, and almost as full of content. Mm. And that's just astonishing to me. And the first note I wrote like quite a few months ago for this was that it is without equal in it is incomparable in terms of scope and quality of storytelling uh, in terms of the sheer, the ratio of quantity to quality is unmatched by anything. Uh, this gen there's just it it is staggering how many quests there are and how enjoyable they all are and um oh i don't know what else to say about it (laughs) you know it's just it's such a pleasure to just load that world up and walk around in it it's it's still gorgeous i think technically you know it's never been a, a a hugely amazing game in terms of just raw technical power but artistically it has stand stood the test of time really well Mm -hmm. Uh, and just visually and the mood and the way you know the sun setting and the music it has such a comforting wonderful vibe to it which has come up a few times on the list on these lists and sort of like red dead it's it's that game is good about just leaving you be as well and just wandering around and looking at things um the 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 world itself is like amazingly well made it's really thoughtfully made um you can 
always look at a village and understand why it's there. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, it's because it's on the top of the hill and there's a, f- you know, there's a stream that runs past it. Or, oh, it's here because there's a, a like oak forest surrounding it and they're harvesting all the wood from there. Uh, I remember that was striking at the time. And, you know, 2015, to me, this generation started with The Witcher 3. Mm. In a lot of ways, I think that this generation started and ended with The Witcher 3 because <laughs> okay. it was the first truly amazing game, I think, of the generation. I think Bloodborne had come out maybe a, a month or two before, but yeah. Bloodborne was sort of a slow burn um, for me. But The Witcher 3 was, you know, The Witcher 3 was the the first truly next-gen massive masterpiece game that came out. And when I say that it ended the gen because nothing has come close since (laughs) every fucking rpg and open world game that has come out since the witcher 3 sucks that's what i was saying at the beginning and it's because the witcher 3 is so good i was wondering if you were gonna maybe say anything about me not putting it on my list at all no no i i i you i remember you put it only at like number five or something at the time and but I hadn't not gone I, back to it, and well, I hadn't. I had only played like half the game at that point. That was before Blood of Wine and all that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I wasn't expecting it to be on your list. I I loved The Witcher Three. It just I just wasn't. Um, it just wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. I I played it on like the base PS4. Oof. I I didn't know who anyone was. So like a lot of the missions, uh, I just was like, who's this? Who's Triss? Who's Dandelion? And who was this? I come up with the the, uh, the dwarven guy. Was called Zoltan, like, and there was a lot of crossover, which I didn't realize. Like the um, yeah, what's the? I was gonna say the Night King, <laughs> the Wild Hunt. Sorry, like the Wild Hunt is actually set up by the end of Witcher One, which I only just realized yeah, recently. Yeah. I just didn't know what the fuck was going on for like the main story. But uh, like you said, there's just so many. Uh, standalone amazing side quests and stories in that game which is what kept me going uh, it's just like it's a little bit difficult when you are enjoying a component of the game but you're interrupted by what to you is kind of not nonsense but you know you're well like, yeah I no i know what you really, mean i don't know what the stakes of this game are i remember the game ending and you're fighting in this like icy area right right and i yeah. just like i just didn't really know what was happening yeah, that's uh, fair. But I, I know I played so much of the game. I did every side quest I found. I did every monster hunt because I got the trophy for it. Uh, I'm just looking forward to Cyberpunk because I'm like here and ready, you know, for the next yeah, yeah, yeah. said said pro- project. And it's a clean, you know, it's not taking place like the Witcher games canonically take place after all the books, so it, mm-hmm. they are constantly referencing six books worth of material. And I felt that way as well. Like, you know, I remember playing The Witcher two. And just having no fucking clue what was happening at all. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of The Witcher 3, at the first time through, they, they there are tons of references constantly to characters' histories that I am not privy to. And now I'm, I'm excited to replay it, especially because they're going to be doing a next-gen ray tracing patch to it next year, which is very Ooh, exciting nice. to The Witcher 3. And I'm excited to replay it now with the knowledge of having read the books. Mm. Um, and that is something... Um, that that reminds me of another point, which is that I I really hate what's happened over the last like six or eight years in just general entertainment has shifted to being really focused on young characters mm. played by young hot actors 
or in video games this case just you're you know i'm alex Ryder. i'm a fucking <laughs> moron um <laughs> and Henry. oh no Henry, we love he's okay I'm, I'm Henry. um <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. i just i hate when a game is set around young characters because they have no they have nothing they have nothing yeah exactly and so Red Dead is great because it's it's about a character, you know, older characters that have a history. And The Witcher is extremely that. They, all of these characters in this game are mature and have a long history to them. And it just, it adds so much to, to experiences to me when it feels like I'm surrounded by mature adults <laughs> instead of <laughs> these dumb fucking kids. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it, Red, Witcher is similar to Red Dead in that it it feels like an illegal game as well in mm. that in the because of how many pieces of writing how many quests there are and how good all of it is um even the the like fame you know sort of infamous middle section in um Novigrad yeah where you know every, a lot of people don't like that section but i like that section because that's the section where you're just like dicking around with your friends you know yeah and yeah. now that i i'm excited to get replay that section uh now with even more knowledge of their history uh with dandelion and zoltan and Geralt and all these characters there there is really not a single quest in that game that is bad mm. and they don't do the thing of like there are no there aren't fetch quests in this game there it's story quests it's Go here and f- you know a story experience unfolds. something. Experience it, yes. And so many games this generation, so many open world games this generation, I just did not like at all. And The Witcher Three, I like. I have enjoyed every second of my time with it, and I, it's a game that I will keep coming back to forever and ever. Probably, it, it is just, it is. It also came out at the time when, you know, some of that like, oh, single player games. Mm, I don't know about those. Uh, and it was just <laughs> yeah. like, nah, here's a giant middle finger EA. Here's a hundred hour long story driven single player game for $60. And I think it, you know, I said this about Destiny, but I also really think this about The Witcher in that it it really, I think, is defining a generation defining game because it, it has dominated so much of the thought like the collective thought i think of people of this generation just it 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 was such a breakout success it keeps being more successful every year uh so many games tried to capture it you know i was just playing ac valhalla and it's like boy they really wish they were the witcher and man are they ever not and uh it just it it really felt like it dominated this gen it, it, you know that's why i said it just it felt like it started and stopped the generation because it's just yes, like there we go action rpgs just didn't happen yeah it's like fallout 4 Oof. outer world just, Oof. Oh, that's what i was saying about the disappointment of the gen is that genre it was it's like my favorite genre of all time and it just didn't really turn up I, like i know yeah. they're hard and expensive to make and they take a while but you know Anyway, I don't want to skip past your, your number one. No, I I don't think I have much else, really anything else to say. It's 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 I think hard to put into words as you just you know you sort of went through with the Elder Wilds. It's like how do I <laughs> just put into words? That, I like this. I like this. I like this. I like this. Exactly. Like how do I put into words that this is 
what it is, you know, and why I love it so much. I, it's hard to do so. I, I, I think um, the last note I have is that I, I think, I think it might be my favorite game of all time. Nice. I think I respect it. I think if someone were to ask that, I would, ju- I, w- I think I would say The Witcher Three, and uh, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> hey, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's nice to have that to be like, oh, oh, this I oh, I think I might this might be my favorite game of all time. Wow, weird. Um, good luck, Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, wow, it's gonna be interesting. But I mean, I went into The Witcher Three with enormous expectations, and you can go back to the best of 2015 and listen because I remember you talked about it. <laughs> I remember you talked about uh, how excited I was for it and how you were like happy that it was good, <laughs> happy for <laughs> oh, yeah. me that it was good, and. Uh, blue blue expectations completely out of the water mm. uh and has dominated so much of this generation for me and uh yeah it is uh one of a kind one of a kind uh hell of a game it is a hell of a game and we'll and, be talking about those guys uh, pretty soon hopefully uh, yeah maybe or maybe it'll be best of 2021 <laughs> <sighs> oh fuck's sake um can't, can't wait do you really want quickly? Are, are there any other th- games you just want to name drop? Um, let's have a little look. See, I have two. You know what was actually weirdly close to my number ten mm. was was Until Dawn. Like, I <laughs> really, really okay. I really loved Until Dawn, and like, yeah, just great. nothing has ever come close to that game when it comes especially to not their other format. games. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, oof. Um, Celeste also. Oh, yeah. Like we'll get, I'm gonna talk about Celeste again on the podcast because I now have like 55 hours in that game. And I'm still going, still poking away at it. That's great. I'm, I'm still going with Celeste. It took so long for me to get there. I think that like yeah. weird transition with Celeste, how it took me like a year and a half to like get my teeth into it, was really something yeah. cool. Um, I was on my runners up. I actually have Uncharted Four. It was never gonna make the top ten, but it's just I really love the Uncharted series, and I think they yes. ended it really well. It's just like not unique or special enough to kind of no, get on no. the list. But I'm with you though. I, I Uncharted Four is definitely you know in on the higher end of my my like 30 games that I really like. Uh, it it yeah. is a tremendous game. Um, I have Metal Gear Solid Five on here. Probably the best combat sandbox of the gen. But you know, I I don't understand what the fuck was going on, and I you know I kind of just sniped. You don't remember Sahalanthropus? I do. I just don't know what oh. that was. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't think he does either. <laughs> and the last one is um, I really, really loved Tales from the Borderlands, but just as time went on, Telltale's games, their format became a little bit less special. Yeah. I just, I love that roster of character. I love the story. But, you know, it's just, again, the retrospective glasses where you think back to Telltale and I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. 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 But that's, uh, that's about it. That's about it, I'd say. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of other games that I could name and be like, man, I love this game. Titanfall 2, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, smaller stuff like SteamWorld Dig 2, great. I oh, love yeah. it. Perfect love video game. game. Um, you know, lots of this and that. I, I, As you were talking, I realized um, no Nintendo games on our list. Yeah, well, I mean, we played like two of them. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's put that as a hopeful, you know, something I want from next gen is for Nintendo to make more games and more that connect with me. Because all I play is like one 3D Mario every five years and, you know, one Zelda every five years. So yeah, more of those yeah. would be good. 
Uh, but the only two games that I, I would have really liked to have had on my top 10 uh, were these two, which is, um, and this one was on here for a while, and I, uh, Prey, 2011, oh, or yeah. tw- uh, 2011, 2016. Or I did, I did or note down Moon Crash at one point in the, you know, when I was thinking, I love Moon Crash. Yeah, and Prey, Prey's one of those games that I said was sort of middle of the pack, and hmm. then moved up over, over the years, has really climbed, and I, I, the reason I like it so much is because it, it really made me realize what a, what I can like about sort of an immersive sim and it's yeah uh, a believable like believable real world environments uh and then fleshing them out properly and prey just is the king of that like the level design in it is so good and the toolkit you have is so good with the goo gun oh, and the goo turning gun, into yes. cups um that was the first game that really made me realize what I can like about an immersive sim and how to get creative with a sandbox. Cause that was at the time when we were discussing a lot about, about liking a, uh, an immersive sim, like breath of the wild was the year prior. And we're like, ah, why? Or no, that was even, I think the same year. And it's like, why don't I like breath of the wild the way some other people like it? And yeah, pray help, pray helped me realize a lot of that stuff. And I just think it's, it's an amazing game and um, a lot of amazing sci-fi stuff in it. The looking glass tech is still fucking amazing. Just with the with the the, oh, the glass, right, right. Yes. you know, to the glass saying, into yeah. the other world that you can just break. Um, an amazing opening as well. Uh, just a just a fantastic game, uh, and I one of those games that I will continue to go back and poke at. Um, and then the other one that I really would have liked to have had on here uh, is Inside. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Um, Inside's just a perfect little two-hour nightmarish game yes. and I, I replay it pretty much once a year i've replayed it in one sitting uh turn the lights off put the headphones on and beat it in 90 minutes or whatever and it's just a uh it's just a perfect game and it is so weird it's so world weird. horror like we were talking about earlier yeah just amazing world and just creepy images and vibes and sound design and aesthetics it's just uh an extraordinary little package mm-hmm. um and that's it i would say i mean you know there there were a lot of games this gen that were yeah. really good lots of them lots of them i'm just trying but, to think uh, before we end to maybe list off some things we're hopeful for for the gen and you just triggered one in my mind, which is um, just, I just want horror games to come back in a decent way. Yeah. Um, I don't think I need to wish for action RPGs. I think they're on the way. They're just fucking huge and expensive. Yes. You know, I'm very interested by what the hell's going on Bethesda games and how that all pans out. Beyond Good and Evil 2, I just like that genre is just, they, they, I don't that know if they exist. That game's coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um, horror is one. Um, I was gonna say more puzzle games, but I feel like at the moment we just have to be patient and like a, an absolute masterclass of puzzle just eventually sneaks out on us, like once every yeah. two years. Well, good news, Jonathan Blow is working on his next video game, mm. and it looks heavily inspired by Steven Sausage Roll, the most hard, ge- oh, difficult God. game I, ever made. <laughs> I tried that game; it's so hard. I know I did do. It was impossible. Uh, uh, you take over. I'm just gonna think for a second. Well, we we talked about this recently on one of the podcasts. The one thing that really pains me greatly and and was missing this gen, or rather, it was present this gen, but in the worst form imaginable, is is you know it's Mass Effect or Mass mm. Effect like. Uh, a space opera space um, games space games but space opera in particular because okay. of that that you know grandiose 
sort of melodrama in space with spaceships (laughs) and space suits and weird planets and space stations. Um, We had one game that did that this gen and it was Mass Effect, but um, you know how that went. And that that is a big gaping hole. It's actually it's more of a like sucking chest wound where like my heart was ripped out by that game. Um, but you know, um, it would be great if Halo was good again. Yeah, just for some nostalgia, you know. Um, but I I just I just hope that I can be as surprised as I was this gen. Yeah. I think that's what I would say because they hope, were. Um, I hope multiplayer gets like it puts fun first again. Oh, definitely, that would I be hope, great. Yeah, I know Fall Guys has kind of died, but just that doing well was like hope to me. Yes, yeah. I know some people took it seriously, but the majority of people, it was just like a silly, goofy party game, and it's just it felt like people just really gravitated towards it, and it's what people need. Like esports is fine, and BRs are fine, but like, can we have something like silly and can see a thieves be just like about goofing around? Can we just goof around, lads? Can we goof? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um yeah, but yeah, I think overall like every game on that list um even the other two Prey and Inside, I think all those games were surprises to me and mm. in various ways and I I just, you know, I don't really care what game what, what forms the games are in if they're as surprising and varied as yeah. they were this gen and I think they will be. I, I, if if nothing they're only going to get more varied as time goes on. So uh, but yeah, the the only really big void that I have felt this gen is is space sci-fi, like triple A space. You know, yeah. we got space with Outer Wilds, but I want like slick, sexy spaceships and form-fitting suits and weird aliens and fucking the weird aliens and uh, yeah, wait, uh, fuck you know, some aliens too. All that's all that stuff that Mass Effect did so well last gen because Mass oh, Effect yeah. was like dominated last gen to me you know it started early it ended in 2013 or 2012 mass effect 2 is my best game of last gen for me favorite game like and to have to have that be so gone this gen was uh, it was a big loss yeah (laughs) tragic loss i want more games like out of wilds where it's actually in space like you're in space it's not out of worlds where it's just like a map and there's like two moons in the skybox and it's like that space I want it to be in space. I want well, you'll tech. probably you'll probably end up in space in Starfield because you'll like fall through the floor and just like fall into the void, <laughs> yeah. you know, and Gravity just float breaks. in space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see what that game is. Yeah, there's there's still a few games that are like, wow, I can't wait to see what that game is. And well, I mean, one of them is Cyberpunk, and that's out theoretically in one month. Um, yeah. It's really crazy to think that we could theoretically be recording another one of these in 2027 and cyberpunk could be on that list because it's out in, in th- three and a half weeks oh or four my weeks God. yeah <laughs> it's not oh, a thing about 2027 let's try and make it for no let's first. let's just get through this year yeah well 20, no. uh that was the longest that's the longest we've ever done we we beat ourselves <sighs> yeah well you know it was a big one yeah. Top I, top ten of the generation. We've got to do I'm a proper. I'm not surprised. Um, if you have listened this far, uh, I blame myself for this. I always do a really poor job of pimping out our podcast. If you've got to the end, you obviously like listening to two lads or maybe even three lads talk about video game stuff. We do a podcast with our friend Ben. We do it like once a month if we can, if our schedules are free. 
So if you like these long talks, podcast stuff with our voices, uh, links for that stuff will be down below. Spotify, iTunes, I think. Stuff. Yes. <laughs> and apart from that, I guess, unless you have any final words, Jameson, we'll see you no. in six or seven years oh for my the best God. of the generation 2026. Or seven or eight. All I can say is I hope that everyone who is listening, I hope you make it there. Best of yeah. luck to you guys. I hope you. I hope we make it there. I hope we make it there, yeah. No offense, oh, but I'm going to put that at the top of the list and then you guys can come second. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, everyone. Yeah, see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Wow. Oh, boy.